Welcome to Poker Frolert Radio, the Druff and Friend Show. Decided to go the country angle today. I actually am a fan of country music. I don't play that much on this show, but uh, the two forms of music I listen to the most are 80s music and country music. Never got into the whole alternative thing. Never got into really much of the music after 1990, but... uh, that's typically what I listen to, especially now that I have Sirius Satellite Radio, so I can listen to any of that whenever I want, at least when I'm in my car. So, welcome again to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Almost starting on time. Almost. And in case you're wondering, in case you're saying, oh no, it's going to be another show of three or more hours of druff ranting. That's not what it's going to be. We actually have a co-host tonight. I'm always happy when we have a co-host because it's much easier for me. Someone posted on the forum praising me for being able to do the show on my own, and I appreciated that. But I can tell you that it's much, much more pleasant for me to do this with a co-host, both content-wise and physically. It's easier on my voice, because when I do these shows by myself, by the end I'm like, oh man, I'm glad that's over. 
So this week is kind of the opposite of a few weeks ago when we had so many topics that uh, we had to take five and a half hours to complete them. This week we have, I shouldn't say it's opposite, we just don't have a huge agenda this week. We have like seven topics, but none of them are huge topics, so I think we'll have some time for just some general talk, general questions in the chat room, phone calls, whatever. And uh, in the meantime, I will put on the co-host for this week, someone familiar to everybody here, I won't even play games this time, it's China Maniac, welcome to the show. Hey, what's happening, Jeff? So thank you for joining me once again for being uh, the most common inhabitant of the revolving door of co-hosts here. Yeah, so try to try to get in here when I can. Yeah, and sure. I appreciate that. I know that uh, since it's a revolving door of co-hosts, no one co-host is committed to being here, and they don't have to work their schedule around it. But at the same time, when you have time or any of the other co-hosts that have been here have time, then they're welcome to join me rather than have me do this by myself. And I, the reason I paused for a second there, I was reading the chat room. Of course, if you want to communicate with us on the show, you can either go in the chat room by pressing the big chat button near the top left of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com, and I'll try to read the chat as much as I can. Or you can call into our phone numbers, 702-430-1808. That's the Mount Charleston line. It's a an old 70s telephone sitting on top of Mount Charleston which is a mountain that hangs over Las Vegas, or our main phone number, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Both numbers, you have to show your caller ID before calling in. But in the chat room I'm seeing here, damn, had to spend another 1495 to listen to this show. That's from I Am Greek. That's impressive. I, I am flattered that anyone would pay 15 bucks to listen to this show. I'm assuming he's somewhere that he has to spend 15 bucks for internet, probably a hotel or something like that, because obviously this show does not cost any money, but yeah, you need internet. Yeah, it sounds like a Vegas, Vegas internet room charge or something. Yeah, yeah, but I, you know, look, I am flattered that anyone would spend this money to listen to the show live, or listen to it at all, and thank you, I am Greek. I see you here every week in the chat, and I know you're a loyal live listener here. I also want to read this from the chat. I almost forgot Fuck You Druff. That's from Hockey Guy. He tells me that every week. He comes here every week in this chat room just to tell me fuck you. And I always catch that. I miss a lot of things in the chat. I always seem to catch his fuck you to me. And uh, apparently I Am Greek is at the Paris in Las Vegas. So, thanks to this show, the Caesars Corporation is making 15 more dollars. Not sure I'm happy about that, but I'm I'm happy to have uh, I Am Greek in the audience. Well, tonight, I'm not sure if we're going to have a free roll. We've had a free roll every week for quite some time. We've had very few shows without a free roll. I think the only time in recent history we haven't had a free roll has been when I delayed the show by like three hours and I just decided to cancel the whole free roll. This week, the only reason we don't have a free roll is because there's no money for it. The way I've been working these free rolls is that the users donate the money. And I appreciate that. I think it's great that the users here have been donating their hard-earned money to these free rolls. A lot of times people donate their prizes back, but uh, nobody's expected to do that. If you win your prize, you are very welcome to collect it in full. And this is a cash free roll where 
You can get the money on PayPal, check, cash. I mean, people have used all these options. Bank transfer. But right now we only have $10 for the free roll. And I guess this happens sometimes where you have a slow week as far as donations go. So we're not going to have a $10 free roll. Okay, so we have uh, one guy who rescues this show frequently with a free roll. That is uh, Trader SHKY. He, he loves to rescue the show when we, we're not going to have a free roll by topping up the money. So thank you to him. He's adding 20. And then Hockey Guy is adding 25. Maybe as... Maybe as payment to me for having to put up with his fuck yous every week. And C Money here says he's thrown in 50, too. Wow. How come we end up with the biggest free rolls when we start out with nothing? Yeah, because, uh, <laughs> you know, people step up when they know there's nothing here. You know? I guess. Wow. All right. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm having to, I am Greek says I donated my wins from last week. I Unfortunately, I, I don't remember. I'm not saying he didn't. He probably did. But, uh. I guess we can hold over that till next week because we have plenty now. We get 50, 50 bucks from C-Money, 20 from Trader SHKY, and $25. So very generous to all of you. And then $10 from... Now I have to go look. I'm embarrassed here. I I, I kind of Bubble, expected not Bubble's to announce throwing it. in another 22 Wow. I should come on here every week and say we have nothing. We'll get get like five hundred dollars every week. It's Doctor Peters who donated ten. In, in fact, I'm gonna. Th- I think I'm gonna hold over Doctor Peters until next week. Just so. Oh. oh, hold on one second. Bubble said maybe start the radio thread sooner to get donations. And then he said, if so, I'll throw in twenty. So. Oh, if so, I see. All right. So this is what we'll do. See money fifty dollars. Trader S H K Y twenty dollars. And hockey guy twenty five dollars is a total of ninety five. That will be the free roll this week. We will put in the money from I am Greek and Doctor Peters next week, and Bubbles if he ends up uh, donating next week as well. So ninety five dollars is a very healthy free roll. That's what you get for listening live. You never know what the free roll will turn out to be. So the way the prize pool will break out will be forty five dollars for first. 20 for second, 15 for third, and 10 for fourth. So it's 45, 25, 10, or 15 and 10. And I'd like to thank those three who donated. And in fact, all three of these people have donated a lot of money overall to these free rolls. So very generous, all three of you guys, C-Money, Hockey Guy, and Trader SHKY. Three very... Generous listeners here, and I appreciate that. And in case you guys wonder, why, Dandruff, are you not donating your own money? I have a few times, but the reason I don't, it's not because I'm that opposed to it, it's just that I, I feel like I'm donating my time, and you know, it actually takes a lot of time to do all this. It takes a lot of time to put together the show. It takes a lot of time to manage the whole system by myself. I'm talking about the forum and the radio show. It's and a lot of work. It's it a lot is more a lot of work. Than people think. Yeah, China Maniac ran a forum for a while, so it's a lot right. of work. And I said, you know, and it's not like if the site made a lot of money, I'd be donating a lot every week. But the site was losing money week after week after week, month after month, and finally, it's not losing money anymore because we have a sponsor in Stat Clash. But we're not really making money. We're, we're kind of uh, treading water. So, if the site was making money, I would 
throw in some money and share it with the users, but this site's always kind of been more of a hobby to me. I haven't really tried to make money. In fact, I could have made a lot more money than I've been making if I accepted ads from whoever wanted to advertise here. About once a week I get emails from shady casinos and other shady sites that want to advertise on this site. And I say no. My first question to them is, can you please describe your company? I want to check it out and make sure it's all on the level before you advertise here. And usually I get no response when I send that to them. (laughs) So you know what that probably means. It probably means they're shady and they know if I check them out I won't want to bother letting them advertise here so they don't even bother to respond to me. So... Stat Clash is the only advertiser so far, aside from uh, Darkstar's company that he had uh, earlier last year, that I've allowed to advertise here, because uh, I believe Stat Clash is legit. Anyway, here's the topics tonight. By the way, since the free roll is going, I should let you know that the free roll is taking place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which is a separate system. But you can reach it from PokerFraudAlert.com. It says No Fraud Online Poker near the top center of the screen. You need a separate account there, but everything's free. You don't need play chips. You don't need anything. You just need to register a, a separate account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. And that's it. Then you can play the free roll, which starts at 7.40 sharp Pacific time. No late registration. The only restriction as far as winning the free roll money we just discussed is you have to have a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum, which is different than the Poker Room, but the forum. You have to have a registered account there dated January 1st, 2013 or before. If you do not have an account dated January 1st, 2013 or before, please email dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com and tell me how long you've been listening, the things you have enjoyed about the show, things you remember, and tell me things that were not in the description of the show, so I know you've really been listening. And if you've been around for a few weeks, minimum, I will give you an exception to win this week and all other weeks, but you need to get out that email before you play, meaning before 740, otherwise you'll have to wait till next week, even if I give you the exemption. Don't wait till you win to send that email. If you're someone I know from a previous forum, or if you're someone I know either personally or online in some way, you don't have to bother doing this. So, that starts at 7.40. Here is the agenda for tonight. Sorry for the pause there. Took a second to load. Well, for a few weeks now, we've been talking about the Chris Moneymaker and Jason Young saga, where Jason Young has been accusing Chris Moneymaker of not paying a bet, not paying a sports bet. And I got very much involved in that situation. Then I kind of backed out of it when I became dissatisfied with the whole thing, the whole way it was going. It seems to be over now. The whole situation seems to be over. And I have to say that the ending is very unsatisfying. I'm sure many of you have seen what seem to be good movies, where you're saying, oh wow, this is great, I can't wait to see how this thing ends. And then the ending is terrible. Or maybe a TV series, where the series finale is terrible. And you find yourself disappointed. When something was built up really well, when something was really interesting in the build-up, that the payoff is crappy. That's definitely what happened here. Though this this was not a fictitious saga, unless you want to count Jason Young's fictitious bookie. So it has ended, apparently. But maybe not for certain. But it's probably ended. I'll tell you what happened and why I think it's unsatisfying. Well, almost every week we have lock poker news on here, and this week is no exception. 
Skrill, which is kind of like NetTeller. It's an e-wallet that is only usable by non-U.S. residents. Skrill, which is a big payment processor now, has stopped taking deposits for Lock Poker. They told Lock Poker, we're not taking your deposits anymore. Withdrawals, yes. Deposits, no. Not only is this interesting, but it's very significant as far as proof as to Lock being broke. I will explain that, and we'll talk about that as our second topic. PokerStars has been trying to get a license to operate in some fashion in New Jersey. Last we heard, they were attempting to get a license more to operate there, not so much to own a casino, but uh, to allow another casino to use their software. They still have to get licensed. They probably will not be getting licensed, at least not in this first round of licenses or temporary licenses that are being issued. We'll explain why. There's a new network that has launched for U.S. online poker players. You're all familiar with the Merge Network and the Revolution Network and the Yada Hey Network and the Chico Network and uh, even Locke's own fail network they just started. But there's a new network for U.S. online poker players called the Equity Poker Network. It's a little bit different, a little bit weird, and I will give you my reaction to the Equity Poker Network and explain what it is. Speaking of a new weird poker site, there's a new site called Quarter Poker. And the reason it's called Quarter Poker is because you supposedly get a free 25 cents every day. When I saw Quarter Poker, and I knew a quarter is referring to a denomination, I thought what they meant was a quarter in the term of $25. But it's no, it's actually 25 cents. You get a free quarter every day there. But it's not even quite that. I'll explain what that's about, and uh, you can see if it's worthwhile playing there. It's actually a legal site. Not an illegal site, but a legal site in the U.S. to play. Speaking of legalized sites in the U.S., ones that don't give you a quarter every day, this is the a new segment I'm going to have on here every week called the Legalized U.S. Poker Report. This is a report on the legalized U.S. poker rooms, and I don't mean the ones like quarter poker, I mean the real poker rooms that have been legalized by various states. Right now we only have three states that allow online poker to be played legally within the state borders, and those would be Nevada, New Jersey, and Delaware. So we have reports about all three, and we will get to that. be nice if we could get a Delaware from the user Delaware, have him call in and (laughs) give us um, a breakdown on how things are going. I'm sure he's grinding it out. Maybe he is. It's a good point. I didn't even think of that. But yeah, maybe he's one of the players there. And finally, we've talked about AG400 before on this show. AG400 appeared on the Ivy Room at the Aria. That's the high limit room there. Used to say the Ivy Room. And then just Recently, under it, it says AG400, and they would not tell anyone what it meant. Through some investigation on this show, live investigation, we called up, and I think it was uh, Colonel Fabersham calling up, but one of our characters called up and got out of them that AG400 was in reference to the initials AG, and that he is a high-limit player in the room, and the reason they called it AG400 is the 400 is in reference to what he buys in for in the big game there, $400,000. There have since been various reports and speculations as to who AG400 is, but I think I have an answer. 
near the end of the show, I will give you the answer that I was given. Can't guarantee it's right, but the person says that they think there's a high chance this is correct. So, that's the agenda tonight. Again, if you want to call in, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, or 702-430-1808, make sure to show your caller ID. And if we don't answer, don't call, like, a hundred times in a row. Just wait 15 minutes or so and try to call back. If we don't answer, it probably means we're busy discussing a topic and aren't ready to take a phone call. So, let's get right on to the first topic, and the free roll starting in 13 minutes. The Chris Moneymaker saga might be coming to a close. Talked about that on a few shows in a row here. China Maniac, I don't think you've been on any of those shows that we've talked about Chris Moneymaker, have you? Uh, Possibly, but I can't remember, but I've followed it a good amount. Yeah. So, I'm not going to go over the whole story again, because that we did in previous shows. But it was a weird story where Jason Young, who's a bracelet winner, came out, or he he was he and uh, Chris Moneymaker had a sports betting thing going on back and forth, back in 2012. And Jason, uh, Jason Young was threatening Chris Moneymaker he was going to go public with the fact that Chris Moneymaker could not pay a sports betting debt to him. So Chris came out first on the 2 plus 2 forums and told his side before Jason Young could tell his side. But of course then Jason Young responded, and the Cliffs note to the situation were that Chris Moneymaker and Jason Young both agree that Moneymaker lost money to him. But uh, Jason Young was supposedly acting as an agent for a bookie, an unnamed bookie, that Moneymaker was betting with. Moneymaker then could not cover the bet, could not give the money to Young to give to his bookie. Then Jason Young claims he paid off the bookie himself on behalf of Moneymaker and that Moneymaker now owes him. But he would not provide any information about this bookie that was supposedly paid. He could not provide any proof that he paid. He could not provide proof that he wasn't the bookie himself. He could not provide proof that this bookie existed. And for well over 100 pages on 2 Plus 2, there was a lot of fighting back and forth about it. And other people came out of the woodwork saying that Jason Young owed them money too, including a guy who's been on this show a few times, Eric Sheets Haber. He's owed money by Jason Young related to sports betting. I got very involved in that thread over there, and what I determined from all my involvement there was that both parties were free-rolling each other. That Chris Moneymaker bet money he did not have and lost, and that at the same time it appears that Jason Young was also betting money he did not have, except he won. So the two of them thought they were free-rolling the other person, but in reality they were free-rolling each other, which means whoever won was not going to get the money. The bigger problem to me, beyond the free-rolling, was that Jason Young seemed to be inventing a bookie, either inventing a bookie or booking some of the bets himself and not getting the bookie involved. But whatever it was, I do not believe that there is a bookie involved between him and Chris Moneymaker. I think that Jason booked that bet himself and claimed there was a bookie. So I thought that was pretty shady, too. That was even shadier than just basic free-rolling. 
So my conclusion after everything was that the bet should be null and void, regardless of who won. Had Chris won the bet, I would say that Jason doesn't have to pay him. And had Jason won the bet, I would say he uh, Chris doesn't have to pay him. And that's what happened. Jason actually won the bet. But if both are free-rolling one another, I don't feel that either person owes the money. And the basic premise I used for this was that if you were being scammed, if you bet money under false pretenses, if you bet money where there was no upside, where in the best-case scenario you could not collect, and you find that out beyond a reasonable doubt, then you should not pay. You should never pay into a scam. I always say that. Never, ever pay into a scam. If someone's scamming you, the second you, dis- you discover you're being scammed, stop. Don't pay a penny. And I don't care if this is common practice in the sports betting world, blah, blah, blah. I've had so many excuses presented to me as to why Chris should pay. And I said, no. I'm not even taking Chris's side here. I'm taking the side against scamming, against free rolling. I'm taking the side against if you did not know when you bet that the person you were betting with could not pay if they lost, the bet's null and void if you lose. That's my attitude. That's the way I would treat a bet. If I bet with you, and it turns out that I get substantial information to show that when you bet with me, you could not cover it, then I'm not paying you. And I wouldn't expect you to pay me under those same circumstances. Now, uh, before I go on with the more recent developments, uh, China Mania, how do you feel about this whole thing? I I pretty much had the same viewpoint as you. It looked like they were both free-rolling, um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, if I were Chris, I wouldn't pay. Yeah. Think about this. Think if, you, if I join leagues with a Nigerian scammer, or I am a Nigerian scammer, and I send you one of those Nigerian scam emails saying, you know, the typical crap. Help me get $100 million out of Nigeria, and, and I'll give you $10 million of it. But in order to help me get the, t- the $100 million out of Nigeria, you've got to front me $15,000 of processing fees. And that's typically what the scam is, by the way. That's been going on for years now, many years. Right. So let's say I sent you that email as a Nigerian. And you get it, and you go, ah, I have an idea. You don't realize it's a scam, but you you come up with your own idea. You say, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to send this guy $15,000 in counterfeit money. I'm going to counterfeit money and send it to him, and because he's in Nigeria, he won't know the difference. I'll send him the counterfeit money, and then if it turns out this guy is legit and I get my $10 million, well, then, then I'll give him the 15000 back. But if it turns out I this isn't legit, then I don't lose anything. I've only sent counterfeit money. So then you go and send me the 15000 counterfeit money. And I receive the counterfeit money, and at some point I realize it's counterfeit. And if I come to you at that point and say... I know you were counterfeiting here. You owe me $15,000. I have an email from you agreeing to send me $15,000. And you say back to me, yeah, well, guess what? I realize that you're a scammer. I realize there's no $100 million. I realize you were just trying to rip me off. And I say, yeah, well, that doesn't matter. You agreed to pay me 15000 So where is it? You sent me 15000 It was counterfeit. Now send me the real 15000 Of course you would say no. Of course you'd say no. Get the hell out, scammer. I'm paying you nothing. 
I sent you counterfeit money because I was free rolling you, but hey, you were scamming me, so the whole thing, just forget it. We'll both go our separate ways. We both realized we were scamming each other. We're done. I mean, that's basically what happened here. Yep. Not quite as malicious because I think both of them believed that somehow they were going to come up with the money if they lost. I don't think this was like an outright scam where they were looking to actually steal from people. But I think both sides didn't have the money and just said, ah, yeah, I'll find a way to make it work sometime in the future if I lose. Yep, exactly. And and, and so, still, you know, if you realize you were being scammed, even if you were scamming yourself, you don't owe the money. That's the way, that's the way it is. I mean, think of that Peter DC guy that scammed so many people in this community. Uh, if you had a bet with Peter DC and you lost, and then it came out that this guy was a career scammer and a free roller, you wouldn't have paid him. Nobody here would have paid him at that point. And they would have been right not to do so. Yeah. I'm one of the lucky guys. I I bet with him and I got paid. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm one of the lucky guys, too. I got a, a free uh, Bellagio suite for my uh, fantasy yeah. baseball draft and never got scammed by him. Right. But uh, actually, the, the one who got hurt the most from him from this community here, not the people on 2 Plus 2, was uh, is actually Brandon, who <laughs> took, a, took a hotel room right. and ran up a few thousand dollars that Peter said he was going to comp off with his comps, and then Peter disappeared right. on him, and Brandon had to pay it out of his pocket. Now, at least Brandon did really get the stuff he paid for, but he was expecting to get like $4,000 worth of comps and then had to pay it out of his pocket, which is pretty brutal. Like, you... You don't spend that much at a hotel right. if, if you think you're going to have to pay out of your own pocket. So, right. Anyway, uh, let me get to the more recent development. Because I, I don't know, China Maniac, I don't know how much dating you did in high school, but something I hated when I dated girls in high school was that they were so wishy-washy. One day they'd love you. One day they would think you're the most wonderful thing in the world. And the next day... With apparently nothing changes, you wouldn't get in a fight, like nothing would happen, but they just decide the next day they don't like you anymore. They're not into you anymore. They yep. they, they don't want to see you anymore. No reason. They, this is a, a hallmark of teenage girls. Not so much teenage boys, but teenage girls love to do this. Just for absolutely no reason, they just abruptly change their opinion of you, and they go from like obsessed with you to not wanting to speak to you again. Or just being friends, they say. And I, this drove me crazy, because I, like, I'm a logical guy. I'm a guy who likes to know that there's a good reason for everything that happens. And I went crazy as like a 17-year-old trying to wrap my head around why some of these girls went from saying they wanted to be with me for the long term to just wanting nothing to do with me within like a day. And I realized as I got older that's just the way teenage girls were. But... Chris Moneymaker reminds me a lot of these teenage girls. Because he's extremely wishy-washy. He makes these teenage girls look stable. Chris Moneymaker has been going back and forth and back and forth regarding what he is going to do. With this thing with Jason Young. When he started the thread, he said he's not paying because he was being free-rolled, which I agreed with. Then he went to, okay, I'm going to pay. Then he went to, okay, I'm going to pay, but not pay Jason Young directly. I'm going to pay the people Jason Young currently owes, like Sheets. Then he went to, no, I, I'm not going to pay anybody. I was being free-rolled, which, which again is correct. 
Then he went to, I'm not going to pay anybody, but I'm going to pay this amount I owe to charity. So I owe 20k, so instead of sending it to Jason or any of the people he owes, I'm going to give it to charity. And now, most recently, here was what Chris Moneymaker said. Spent the last three days talking to all parties involved, including the one who never posted. I don't know who he's referring to there. I was sent information, and I'm satisfied I was not free-rolled. I apologize to Jason, and I'm paying out the money as directed by him. As directed by him. This thread has had many turns and drama. I really felt like I was protecting myself for once, and I was proven to, to be incorrect. So, now Moneymaker is claiming that somehow he was sent information that proves he was not being free-rolled all this time. So he apologizes and he's going to pay now. Now what's so weird about this is Jason had over a hundred pages in that thread and he was posting in it very actively so it's not like he wasn't aware of it or didn't have time to respond. And he, he dodged every time everybody or you asked him to prove that he was solvent at the time. Right, everybody said, hey, prove it to someone. If you can prove to someone that you at least had the money at the time, you had more money than you owed at the time and could have paid Chris if you lost, then we're all on your side. Like Everybody said that, including me. And he refused. I don't have to prove anything to you guys. Or he just wasn't answering questions. You asked him specific questions about the bookie, about why he can't prove to a third party that the bookie exists, or why he can't prove to a third party that he had the money at the time. He either just doesn't answer the questions or says, fuck off, I don't have to show you anything. Which is really weird because he brings it to a public forum for you know people to discuss. And then when people discuss it, says, oh, I don't have to answer you. Well, then why do you bring it to a public forum if we don't have to answer us? So right. why would he dodge giving this information for 100 pages and then suddenly provide it to Chris? In fact, even if you could say he didn't want to post it publicly... When this whole thing started, why didn't he immediately put a stop to it and say, Hey, Chris, here's proof that I was solvent at the time. Let's end this right now. Why why let it go a hundred pages where both their reputations get trashed? It doesn't make any sense. So, I don't know what Chris Moneymaker was sent, but I have to imagine it probably is not what it appears to be. Right. He was probably sent some BS. I mean, any any amateur Photoshopper could... Take like a Bank of America, um, like you could print something out, or like just Photoshop it and print it out, scan it, and send it over. You know? Yeah, I mean, someone did a good job with the Photoshop, and they said they took two minutes on it right. uh, of a bank slip, an ATM slip, showing that they had 174000 in their Bank of America account. And they said this is a complete Photoshop, it's a complete BS. This, this is someone who just did it to prove a point. They took their own bank slip and photoshopped very quickly in two minutes something that looked very convincing that they had 174K. So it's probably something like that. Uh, one time I actually photoshopped a receipt. I'm, I'm going to confess, I, I wouldn't call it a crime here, I'm going to confess to uh, a warranty scam on my part. Uh, I bought a product, I'm not going to say what it is, it wasn't a very expensive product, but I bought a product that broke for me on month 13 of the year warranty. Now, that's always annoying, but you could say, well, okay, it had a year warranty. I happened to run bad, and it broke on month 13, but that's tough luck on me. But not quite. I went and researched the product and found that there was 
a it, it was there was a defect in the way it was manufactured that would cause this to break very easily. It turned out, it turned out it was not made properly in the first place. It was not forget not built to last. It was uh, probably not going to last even the warranty for most people. So I was pissed that I was sold a product that was uh, not built properly that was highly likely to break within a year or so. So, and, and I was a month after the warranty. So I actually went and took my receipt and photoshopped it. And I'm not a good photoshopper, but I, I, I photoshopped a convincing receipt that showed the date I purchased it was actually two months later than it was. And I sent in the receipt and they replaced it. And I didn't feel bad about that. I felt that, uh, you know, they're going to make a shoddy product that I, I can extend my own warranty by a month. But, uh, and again, this wasn't just like you have a, a normally perfectly working product and it happens to break on month 13. This is one where there was complaints all over the place that it was poorly manufactured. But, uh, yeah, th- this had to be some kind of Photoshop job or maybe he got someone to vouch for him that Chris trusts. Something weird like that. So now Chris is supposedly paying him. Now, I don't know if Chris is going to be able to pay him because I think Chris is broke. Right. I think that's where this whole thing came from. And, in fact, there were a lot of text messages that I read last week on the show. Either last week or two weeks ago. I don't remember when I read these texts. I think last week. But these texts really portrayed Chris Moneymaker as a degenerate who's completely bust, completely broke. And I believe those texts. I believe they were authentic. And while those texts were from a year ago, I don't think much has changed. I think that if Chris had the money, he would have paid it. The reason he was stalling with paying it was because he didn't have it and then he didn't think he should have to pay. You know, if Chris had a million dollars right now, he would have paid that twenty k in a second. He wouldn't have bothered to look into whether he was free rolled or not. It was only because yeah, he could barely pay or or couldn't pay that he was trying to find reasons that he shouldn't, and then actually happened to hit on one that was correct. Yeah, it would have been a non-issue. He would have paid and then just walked away. Um, I have a question for you because I didn't get to go through some of that stuff, but he was talking about talking to Jason like at some point some of those old texts about how he could get money if he relocated from stars. Did they drop his sponsorship? Is he still like part of the team there? Or he, like... he is part of the team. He was talking about how he needs an online budget because I, I guess they would give him money to play online with there. But right. since he's in the U.S., that's gone, so that fell out of his contract. Right. So I, I guess they buy him into certain tournaments, but if he doesn't cash in those, then it's not worth anything to him unless he sells pieces of himself. Right. But... Uh, he was saying if he gets his online budget back, then this will become a non-issue, but that he has to move out of the U.S., and that's why he was saying those texts, if you see I've moved to Canada or somewhere else, then you'll see you'll get paid very quickly. And, you know, I believe that Chris Moneymaker wasn't actually trying to scam. Again, I think that he believed he would somehow get the money. I think that's what Jason Young believed. I call it the Eric Lindgren defense, where you're not actually setting out to scam people. You're actually believing when you're getting the money that you're probably going to be able to pay people back, but at the same time, you know that you don't have the money now, you know you're misrepresenting things now, and you just kind of justify it to yourself like, yeah, I'm lying to them about my ability to pay, but uh, I'll find a way to pay somehow, so I can look myself in the mirror and still do that. But it's wrong. You know, when, when you get people to give you money or loan you money, they have to know the truth about your financial situation and ability to pay. And if they don't know the truth, then you're lying to them and you're scamming them. So it's not quite as bad as a scam with intent to fully steal, like what Peter DC was doing, but it's still pretty bad. Now I'm going to play something. This is not a new video, 
But this is a movie called All In. And it's a, a documentary about poker. It was made, I think, in 2011. Is that when it was made? Do you remember? I'm not sure. Yeah, well, it's a, it's one of many poker documentaries, and they actually interview a whole lot of different pretty big-name players, including Phil Ivey. But right after the Ivey interview, you'll get to hear Chris Moneymaker admitting to screwing over bookies. So anyone who thinks that Chris Moneymaker was completely innocent here, you'll have to listen to this. Now, Chris Moneymaker claims that what he was talking about is like back in his college days, but you know, if you're willing to screw over bookies in your college days, you're probably willing to do it again. It's usually something that doesn't change very much about people. But here's the clip of the video here. Tell me a couple. I don't know why it's so big right now. Why has poker gotten so big? Why did poker boom? Why did poker become such a huge... Sorry, man, this is a little bit early in the video. Grew because things don't grow. To the Unabomber. Don't have growability to them. Why has poker had an increase in popularity? It's all me, baby. <laughs> Phil Helmuth. Here we go. He was obviously disappointed for a while, but he's my dad and he forgave me. So I vowed to get the money back. Started betting with bookies when. I wasn't didn't have enough money on online to bet when I lost all my money online. Basically, I, I would find local bookies and lose to them and stiff them. I end up stiffing like four bookies in my life, I believe. So this is Chris Moneymaker saying that he stiffed four bookies in his life, and he doesn't specifically say there this is when he was in college. But even if it was, I mean, that's uh, you see, he doesn't mind stiffing people when he bets and loses in sports. I spent the rest of my natural life in college uh, waking up at 10 o'clock when I had 8 o'clock classes to check the lines to see what you know what the spreads were for that night and to do research for the rest of the day until 3 or 4 o'clock rolled around so I could bet on the games for that night. And I would spend the whole night watching the games and rinse and repeat for the next day. You know, it's, it's terrible when you on Tuesday morning you wake up and there's a phone ring and you have to take it out of the wall because it won't stop ringing because the bookie's looking for his money. <laughs> That's pretty much what he was doing to Jason Young, except he found out that Jason Young was free-rolling him. But he was avoiding Jason Young. He was making excuses like, oh, I've been out of the country for a week. I, I couldn't respond to you. Uh, really dodging him. I mean, I, I could see from these texts, and I could see why Jason Young was getting frustrated that he was being dodged. Uh, but it's just, at the same time, Jason Young can't act outraged here because he was free-rolling too. Uh, so basically, I've been a degenerate gambler and... Uh every form of gambling you can do up until two years after uh, college. Listen, here's the thing. So, that's the end of that little clip. I think that's very telling as to what was going on there, at least from Chris's side. Right. Probably, I don't think he would have stiffed him. I'm sure he would have paid the guy when he got the money just because of where he is now and who he is. Because, you know, that's something, obviously, if you're affiliated with a high-stakes company like PokerStars, you don't want getting out there. So, But, you know, he's been, it's not like he's never been down this road before. So, you know, he just bet bet with credit. And I'm sure, I bet the other kid didn't even ask him if he about credit. You know, he probably just gave him the credit. Probably didn't ask him about his financial situation just because he's Chris Moneymaker. He probably figured he had some money or access to it, you know. 
Yeah, and this is from the the chat room from Forum Wars. He says, Chris Moneymaker also raided his dad's, quote, box around 50K. That's what he was talking about there. He lost it all. You know, at the beginning when he says his dad forgave him? Right, right. Yeah, his dad thought he was joking when Chris told him the 50K was gone. Wow. Boy, I hope Benjamin doesn't develop a sports betting problem, and I find out that uh, my cash has been raided. Yeah, I know a kid that used to do that to his parents' uh, cash box. They had, they had a an envelope or something just stacked with like hundred dollar bills, twenty dollar bills. Same thing. Only we were like fifteen, and he was losing thousands to bookies, and he would just go in and just cream the thing until eventually he had to go to them for more money. They didn't even notice it was gone, and then you know, you know, if I found it, out my kid was doing this to me. I would give them one chance to then go to work and make the money and start paying me back. Right. And if they didn't or if they did it again, I would have to let the kid go as as hard as it would be. Like I I couldn't – some parents just let their kids just abuse the hell out of them, just steal and steal and steal or whatever they do to them. I I couldn't let that happen. No matter how much I love the kid, I I just couldn't let them do that to me repeatedly because I'd say, well, they must not love me if they're doing this to me. Like like someone could do this on a one – anyone can make like a one-time mistake – and provided it's not like too heinous, you right. can forgive them. But uh, but then I would expect them to try to make it right. So, mm-hmm. like like if I caught Benjamin doing this to me in many years, I would say, okay, well, you know, you're going to pay me this much every week, and you know, whatever till till the money's all back. And uh, but then if he stole from me again or anything like that, I'd say, you know, goodbye. I don't ever expect that to happen. But uh, yeah, it would it would be tough. Someone's saying in the chat. Don't let Chino teach Benjamin Baccarat. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to let Benjamin around Chino. I don't think that would be a good influence. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea. And Okay, so, and, and this was all pre-2003, by the way, when what uh, Moneymaker was talking about, pre-his World Series win. But as you see, in 2012, he's still betting money he doesn't have. So he may not be stealing from his dad, but... Instead, he's free-rolling Jason Young, who happened to be free-rolling him. So, I, you know, when, when, Chris, my, when Chris came out and said, okay, I was shown information, I'm paying, and wouldn't explain what he was shown, just said, oh, yeah, I'm satisfied now. After, after bringing this out, after having people like me defend his decision not to pay for over 100 pages, and it wasn't just me, it was a lot of people, like, so many of us felt cheated by the whole thread. Like, why did you guys bring this out here in the first place if you could have just talked together and figured this out at the beginning? Like, like both sides. Like, Jason Young, why didn't you just show Chris what you had if it was that convincing and that true at the beginning? And Chris, uh, <laughs> why are you letting him trick you this easily? Why, why aren't you requiring more proof? Why are you coming out and asking us to all back you and a hundred pages later, say, "Oh yeah, he showed me a few things. I'm not telling you guys what, and I'm paying now." I mean, it's right. his, it's his money to pay, but it's just, boy, did he waste everyone's time. So when I saw that, I'm like, "Okay, I'm out of here. I, I'm out of this thread." And I had already kind of backed out of the thread because it became kind of a troll fest, but I still had a little bit of an interest in it. But as soon as I saw that, I'm like, "Okay, I'm done. I wish I had all that time back. I, I wish I didn't get involved and try to explain all this because." Boy, was that a waste of my time. So, I don't know if Chris is going to pay him. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out next week that Chris has 
again gone back the other way and now won't pay or if he just can't pay. Yeah, I think I think this one's done. I think he's paying or he's on some type of a payment plan or something like that. I just don't see how if he was already provided proof that that he agreed to, I don't see how he would turn against it now. So, yeah. I think this thing's pretty much uh signed, sealed and delivered, but again, I think this guy was free rolling him and I think he was free rolling the 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 guy. Um I don't know. But that again, that guy I think Chris's intentions were to pay. This guy hasn't made really any payments to anybody in over a year of all these people he owes. So this guy might have just been trying to, you know, do the ultimate free roll where, you know, if he loses, then, oh, well, you know. Yeah, it was even discussed that maybe what he was doing was uh, either middling games or uh, taking the action from two different sides of the same game and provided both people are willing to pay up when they lose. He can't lose. So, you know, if, if Chris is betting $20,000 on, uh, you know, let's just take a baseball game, the, the Yankees and the Red Sox. If he's if Chris is betting twenty uh, k on the Yankees and uh, and, and the, other, uh, the other person's betting on the Red Sox, for, you know, let's just say the line is even both sides, yeah. minus 110 both sides, uh, he knows he's going to win one side, and then he gets to collect the juice and he has a guaranteed win. That's like the bookie's dream where he doesn't have any real money on the line. Right. But the problem is when you're doing this on credit, unless you have money to cover it, if one person doesn't pay, then yeah. you're screwed. So it may have been something like that, but it, it seems like with the large number of people that were owed, that it was more than just like this one bet where yeah. everything got screwed up by Chris not paying. I think that there was a, a lot of uh, a lot of free rolling going on where Jason was just taking chances with money he didn't have. Right. Again, this guy was in Vegas at the time too, right? I'm not sure where he was at the time, but I, I think he was in Vegas, but I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. But no matter where he was, somebody would have known who, you know, usually somebody, one of your close contacts or something could prove or would know that it was an actual person that that he was relaying the bets to. I don't think he did for a second. I just think, you know, he probably got some type of site where, I mean, you could you can rent these sites for like cheap money per month, set up your own, like, skin, and, you know, that's it, I think. Yeah, for sports betting, yeah. And then then you handle all the money. And, you know, it was actually suggested that maybe Jason really did have a bookie, but that he picked and chose what action the bookie touched and what he touched. So, like, if he saw a better, like, Chris Moneymaker, who probably didn't have a chance, then he was booking that action himself, and if it was someone who seemed like a sharper better, then he was just letting the... He was just the agent, so this way he wasn't having his own money on the line. So the reason the bookie's probably not being named, if he is real, is that it probably wasn't the bookie... Probably the bookie didn't stiff anyone. Probably was that uh, Jason took some of the action himself instead of giving it to the bookie, and then when he lost, he got himself into trouble, where he couldn't uh, pay the money he he lost. So I, I think it was something like that, and then he was counting on Chris's loss to pay his previous losses... And then when Chris couldn't pay, that's when he really got in a mess. So right. that's what I think happened here. So or something like that. We'll never know the whole story, but very strange that he would have just uh, <laughs> just done that. Uh, just decided at this point to present the proof after over a hundred pages, and both you know both people's reputations got trashed by this. It wasn't like one person looked terrible and the other looked great. Like at the end of that long thread. 
nobody will ever trust Jason Young again, and nobody will ever trust Chris Moneymaker again who read those threads. Like, right. both of them really look bad from the whole thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, if if they could have avoided this by just Jason simply showing the info he had before this even started, or right at the beginning, then it's outrageous that it wasn't shown. But I have I to. Have a, I have a question for you about Jason Young. Um, what was he before? I think he said he sunk all this money into the restaurant business or something. Was he a professional poker player? Like, I know he says he had like hundreds of thousands of transactions on two plus two and this and that. But was he like a well-known, like high-stakes online poker player or anything like that? I think he more got into that after he won the bracelet. Okay. And then, uh, and then became better. Now he he was in the poker world. He wasn't like. Um, definitely the, the bracelet win is what kind of propelled him to being known. Okay, I didn't know. He, did he win a big, bra- big like, cash on a bracelet or something? I, I wasn't, didn't even know this. Let me see what it was. Uh, let's see. I don't even... I never even looked what he won. It was 2008. It wasn't a huge win, but it was, uh... It was hundreds of thousands. Let's see. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Um, and he also won. Uh, he also got a fifth place in 2010 for 142k. But you know how quickly that goes if you uh, enter a lot of tournaments. Yeah, he won. Yeah. Uh, he won 335,000. So it's about the same size as what I won in 2005. Yeah, which can go fast if you keep playing tournaments or if you're spending or playing games that you're not rolled for. I mean, that can go in. In no time. Yeah, and I can see he entered a lot of tournaments. Because just from what he's cashed in, there's a, like a large variety of things: the the Brogata Open, the World Series of Poker Circuit. Like he had to have been entering a lot of different things. Right. And then After I kind of stopped. He had a lot of small caches or something for big size tournaments. Well, what's interesting too something. is is his caching stopped between November 18th, 2011, and July 9th, 2013. So I bet that's around the time he was busto. If you think about it, the timeline with his moneymaker stuff in 2012, that's right. the year he didn't cash anything, which means he probably hardly played. Because if you're going to play enough tournaments, eventually hit a min cash here and there, even if you're running right. bad. So right. the fact that he has like nothing shows that he just wasn't playing, and I don't think it's because he had tournament fatigue. I think it's just uh, he couldn't even afford to get into them. And then he sunk whatever the rest of the money he had into this restaurant. Uh, so anyway... Moving on to the lock poker topic here. This is... It, it's just one thing after another there with lock. It's Every week we have a new thing to say. It's not even like every week I come out of here and say, don't play on lock, they're, they're thieves, they're not cashing anyone out. I mean, that would get boring week after week to say. But <laughs> yeah, every, every week, week we have a, there's a new story. Different. Yeah, there's actually a new story every week. It's actually hard to do that. Even if you're, like, super shady, how do you come up with something new every week? Even UB couldn't do that. Right, and and the best part about it is every week Shane has a new excuse. <laughs> yeah. I I just thought of that right now. Like, how do they come up with a new scandal every single week? Almost. Right, but th- this oh, is yeah. the... in the their pending cash outs now in that thread on two plus two that that kid I has the nuts tracked. It's up to uh, five hundred and fifty thousand, right around there. Wow, and that's just people they know about. That's not even two hundred. That's yep, two hundred players that have been confirmed. I think one person did get a Skrill cash out recently. Yeah, they, there have been a few cash outs coming through. So this is what's going on. Um, Skrill is an e-wallet that you cannot use if you're a U.S. player. But it's very similar to NetTeller. It's very popular among players not in the U.S., especially like Europeans. 
And Lock Poker has been claiming for a long time that their cash outs to the non-US players through Skrill have been very slow because Skrill had them at very low cash out limits. These people are saying, look, we understand why you're slow with US players, but if it's what about the non-US players? How come stars can cash people out in like days? Right. Why are you taking months if you have the right. money? You both have Skrill, why can't you do Skrill in days like stars can? Right. So they said, well, Skrill has us at very low cash out limits. So we have a total we can do every month, which is very low. So we have to put everyone in a big line. And first come, first serve, basically. And once we hit that limit, we have to wait till next month. So that's why we have a big backlog of cash outs. Not because we don't have your money, just right. because of Skrill having us at low limits, which made no sense. Why would Skrill keep them at low cash out limits? Yeah, and it's first come, first serve, unless you're a lock pro. Then you, right. you jump ahead of the line a couple times. <laughs> right. So it just didn't make sense. I mean, Skrill makes money on these cash outs. Skrill makes money with every process transaction, whether it's a cash out or a deposit. So why would they keep lock at a low limit? If lock could pay them, why would they keep them at a low limit? And uh, they never explained why Skrill had them at a low cash out uh, limit. But they knew that it would be very hard for anyone to prove this because if you were to email Skrill, Skrill would say, "Hey, you know, we can't discuss what our limits are with Lock. It's between us and them. They, you know, they'd be violating Lock's confidentiality, so it was easy for them to blame it on the Skrill limits. And they never said what the limits were. They just said they were low. Well, I I always insist that this was a complete lie. It was just a lie that's impossible to verify as being a lie. And that's Lock loves to tell those lies." They have to say, we have all your money, we just won't prove it. But uh, prove that we don't. How do you prove that they don't? So that's that's pretty much been the tactic they've been taking. Well, finally it's pretty much been disproven. Skrill has now ended the ability for people to deposit to lock poker through their service. You can still cash out through Skrill, or at least you can request to cash out through Skrill. <laughs> you probably won't get it. But not Skrill's fault, of course. But uh, this is from a Skrill rep talking to PokerFuse, which is a poker news site. Skrill can confirm that it is to end the facilitation of deposits to lock poker effective immediately. That's this week. As a result, Skrill will no longer accept uploads or deposits to lock poker, but will continue to process withdrawals, enabling customers to receive any funds due to them. Skrill reserves the right to suspend functionalities of any merchant account in accordance with agreed terms and conditions. Skrill would not provide a specific reason as to why they stopped deposits, but uh, you heard from that statement there, it's pretty obvious. Uh, They must be getting a ton of complaints from lock players who deposited using Skrill and now can't get their money off. There are probably people calling up Skrill saying, hey, you guys processed our, our deposit to lock, and now our money's stuck. We can't get our money off. Do something about it. You're the one who processed the money. Either give us the money yourself, at least the deposit back, or do something about it. How can you still take deposits for lock when they're doing this to people? They must be getting angry call after angry call. Angry email after angry email. And Skrill's probably been going to lock going, hey, what's up here? You know, are are you scamming people here? You're scamming people here. We don't want to do it. Because Skrill actually has cut off other sites before when they, they felt that the sites were shady. Skrill does not want to process payments for scams. So Skrill went to Lock probably and said, Hey, you know what, what's going on here? When are you going to pay people? You know, We don't want to process your deposits if you're going to just keep the money and never pay out when they win. 
So Locke probably made excuse after excuse after excuse. And much like Revolution that got tired of Locke and either kicked them off or uh, put enough pressure to where Locke left, Skrill has essentially kicked Locke off their network for, for depositing. They're not kicking them off for withdrawals because they want to help their own customers. They don't want to give Locke another excuse not to pay. So they're saying, if Locke wants to use our service to pay you, we'll do it. If Locke wants to send us money to forward to you, sure, we'll do it. But we're not going to take any money for Locke anymore because we think they're scamming you. That's that's basically what Skrill is saying without saying it directly. Do you agree? Yeah, sounds right to me. I mean... Yeah, so that's the only reason I could think of, right? Right. So let's go back to the thing with the low cash out limits. Locke was claiming all this time that Skrill kept them at low cash out limits. That's why they couldn't cash anyone out. Well, if this were true, then if Skrill went to Lock Poker and said, "Hey, why can't anyone cash out?" Lock Poker would just have to say back, "Well, it's your fault. You kept our limits low. Raise our limits, and we'll send you all the money you want to cash out your players." So, if it was just a matter of Skrill raising their limits, then Skrill could do that, obviously. Like, Skrill would not def- would not suspend their deposits if it was just a matter of that Locke could not let people withdraw because they kept hit- hitting the Skrill limit. Skrill would raise its own limits to facilitate this whole thing. Uh, Skrill loses money by ever disabling cash-outs from any site. Skrill gets a lot of money from each deposit and each withdrawal. They, they charge high processing fees. So they want to process as many transactions as possible. This is going to cost them a lot of money to not process lock poker deposits. But they're doing it because they're an ethical company, apparently. They're doing it because they don't want to enable this scam any further. So for a company to say, hey, we don't want your business anymore. We don't want your business that will result in guaranteed money for us, that will continue a flow of money we've been getting for quite some time. We're stopping this flow of money to us because we think it's a scam. I mean, that that speaks volumes. Skrill would not halt these deposits unless they thought Lock Poker was scamming people. And if the only reason Lock couldn't pay people was Skrill's own fault, Skrill would fix it. They wouldn't suspend the deposits because that's shooting themselves in the foot. So this pretty much proves that Locke has been lying about the whole cash-out limit thing. Now we know, because Skrill has suspended their deposits because they don't like what's going on there. So obviously it's not Skrill's fault. So that's what's going on now. Now, is anybody getting their money off Locke? The answer is actually yes. A few people are getting their money. There are some sporadic reports of a few cash-outs arriving. People have been waiting for months, but a few people who have been waiting for months are now getting their cash-outs. When I say a few, I really mean a few. I don't mean like hundreds. I mean like a few. And this is on purpose, I'm sure. I predicted this. I predicted that as soon as Locke went to their new network, which they have, that in order to demonstrate that their previous problems were the fault of the Revolution Network and not them they'll start processing cash-outs as soon as they move. They were probably holding back money as much as they could, so when they move networks, then they can process some cash-outs and say, hey, look, we're okay. See? Told you it was Revolution's fault. We're processing cash-outs now. Everything's cool. In fact, I already see a few idiots on 2 plus 2 falling for this. I saw some guy say, well, I just got a 5K cash-out. I requested 8500 I only got 5000 but still. This makes me really want to play on there now. 
I really want to put in a lot of time there now because the games are very fishy. And I'm like, oh god, this guy's stupid. This is exactly what they want you to think. Right. They're paying a little bit now so they can not pay anyone later. So definitely stay away from that. Now, kind of a funny chat that went on. There's a, a pro on there named Nikki Evans. So someone hassled him in one of the locked tournaments. Uh, so one of the guys uh, on lock says, why did lock change software? Nikki Evans says, it's a new network and platform. They're not in partner with anyone anymore. They have full control of everything. And then someone someone else in the chat says, because the company they were working with booted them as partners, LOL. <laughs> so, so he says, that's not true, Nikki Evans says. Uh, they have control over everything. They are working with payment processors now. This week we will see big changes. I, I guess he's telling the truth. We just saw changes with Skrill, just not positive ones. Yeah, if they, they're in control of everything now, then they have no excuses. So they should be able to pay everybody in the next, what, two week or two? Yeah. And then so so uh, Nikki Evans was trying to say, do you think a company that didn't want to pay out people and operate would go to all this effort to create new software? This stuff costs a lot. And then someone asks, um, you know, on whose authority do you say this? And he says, by my boss. She has told us everything's changing this week. <laughs> Unbelievable. So yeah, trust Jennifer Larson, the the CEO of Lock Poker. She told Nikki Evans everything's changing this week, and by golly, we should all believe her. <laughs> so that that's what's going on at Lock Poker. Skrill suspends their deposits. Good for Skrill, you know. They they could just stay out of it and say, hey, look, we're just an e wallet. We don't care. That's not up to us to figure out whether. The site is legit or not, that's up to you as the player. But no, Skrill's suspending them, saying they're like half suspending them. They're, they're suspending the part that will allow people to still deposit there, but they're allowing withdrawals. Like It's perfect because they're letting people get their money. And they're also taking away an excuse from Locke to say, oh, well, we wanted to pay you, but Skrill just took our ability away. And Skrill's like, right. no, you can still pay people. We just won't take deposits for you. So good for them. So, next topic here. Poker Stars. Poker Stars has been attempting to get a license to operate in New Jersey. Uh, they attempted to buy that one casino, the Atlantic Club, I think, and uh, failed with that. They've been more, more focusing recently upon getting a license to use their software there to manage a poker room without actually owning it. When I say a poker room, I mean an online poker room. Because legalized gambling within the state of New Jersey is coming in two weeks. But it's looking like New Jersey regulators are unhappy with the pending criminal charges against PokerStars owner and former CEO Isai Scheinberg related to the Black Friday bust on April 15, 2011. And they don't want to give PokerStars a license for that reason. It hasn't been officially reported, but it seems highly likely that's what's happening. Uh, they also don't seem to believe that Isai isn't really the one still in charge, even though his name is removed as CEO. So, they're not falling for it, basically. They, they don't like the fact that PokerStars just removed Isai as CEO and put him as, uh, like, fellow as his title. They, they feel that Isai is still pulling the strings. They just took away his title. 
So, here's a segment of an interview between uh, Marco Valerio, of uh, formerly of Quad Jacks, and now again with Quad Jacks of a different owner. You know, Quad Jacks used to be owned by the Snake in the Grass. Uh, but this is an interview between Marco Valerio and uh, David Rebuck, who is uh, the director of New Jersey Gaming Enforcement. So uh, I'm, I'm going to play the audio from this video. Let me uh, let me get to the audio here. It's uh, it's actually pretty compelling stuff between Marco Valerio and. Uh, David Rebuck here. Loading up. Be here in a second. Sorry, I didn't have this ready. But uh, I think you all need to hear this. It should really shed some light on this situation. (laughs) Now, there's actually no audio, but uh, I'll read you the... (laughs) I'll I'll read you what was uh, written here. Marco said, On the subject of it moving quickly, with regard to the dates you just mentioned, let's suppose that I wanted to keep track of a particular applicant. Now, being from the poker community, I won't deny that a lot of us have a special interest in poker stars. Leaving completely aside any speculation over whether what's going to happen with their application, how soon, be it for poker stars or any other applicant who still has not received their approval, should we have an idea for how they can proceed? So I'm not going to read this whole thing back from David Rebuck, but this is the important part. More than likely, if we have the ability to do so, when you look at these companies, you look at the individuals who are running them to see if they have the right character, suitability, and what are the tentacles of the leadership as such that it taints the whole company, or if it's such that if you just cut out the person and they get replaced by somebody who's of good character and honesty and integrity. So... What he's saying here, David Rebuck, is before we give someone a license, we want to see who's running them and if they have a good character and if they're suitable to get a license in New Jersey. And if they have criminal charges against them, if they've acted criminally, we don't want them here in New Jersey. And so the question is, do they have their tentacles in the whole company to where even if they remove their title, that are they really still running everything? Or is it the sort of thing where if you just take them out and replace them with someone else who we like, that the previous person we didn't like will totally be out of the picture? If we think they're really out of the picture, we'll give the license. If we don't, then no license for them. So then what he continued to say was, I think history will show that in New Jersey, a lot of times the person will divest their interest. They'll leave the industry. They'll separate themselves, or they'll just take the company out and say, we're not dealing with you guys anymore. We can't live under this oppressive oversight. Okay, it's their decision. That's where we are. So what he's trying to say here is that he expects Isai Scheinberg to do what Ruth Parasol of Party Poker just did. B-Win Party wanted to get a license in New Jersey. They could not get one with Ruth Parasol being involved, the one of the original founders of the site. So Ruth Parasol and her husband, her ex-husband actually, are divesting from B-Win Party to where it will satisfy New Jersey that they no longer are controlling the company or own the company. And he's saying he wants Isai Scheinberg to divest for them to believe he's not really involved anymore. It's not enough to just say Isai's not running it anymore. Isai has to divest their interest 
his interest in poker stars for them to believe him and give him a license. They're not saying it directly, but it really, really sounds like it from Didn't that he statement. step down, though? He stepped down as CEO, and that's what New Jersey doesn't like. New Jersey doesn't believe him. They think it's it's a step down on paper. I'm sure it is, but, I mean, how can they prove it? They, they don't have to, because the, the New Jersey can just give a license to whoever they want. So New Jersey right. says, poker stars, you were breaking the law this time. We're, we're willing to look past that, but only if we fully believe that the guy in charge of breaking the law, Esai Scheinberg, is really out of the company. If you just say he's not the CEO anymore, he doesn't have control anymore, but we, but you can't prove it, and we think that he owns enough to where he's probably controlling everything, uh, we don't like that. And they can say that. They, they can just do whatever they want because they're the, uh, they're the ones making the decision on this. So, right. it, it's, uh, it's kind of like a guy who was uh, cheating on his wife that his wife is willing to stay with him, but uh, he still wants the right to go out every night and not tell her where he goes. And she says, uh-uh, and unless I can see everything, uh, I'm not staying with you. you. You don't get to go out by yourself anymore and uh, you know every night and disappear on me. You already did that once, and this is what happened. So it, it's pretty similar to that. Like uh, um, They say, we don't believe you, and it's up to you to prove to us that what you're saying is true. So... Uh, a lot of people are unhappy about this in poker. A lot of people are saying, how dare New Jersey shut poker stars out? I have a different opinion. My opinion is that poker stars chose to stay in the U.S. market after the UIGEA, and they made a lot of money. Think of how much money poker stars made between October 2006, when the UIGEA was passed, and... Black Friday, April 15, 2011. It's four and a half years. They made a fortune during that time. Money that Party Poker did not make because they left the U.S. market. Poker Stars did not. Poker Stars took a risk by not leaving the U.S. market. They knowingly broke the law for those four and a half years. And now they have to pay for it. They can't just make all that money and say, all right, well, now we're willing to follow the law, so give us a license. There are consequences to action like that. If I could have run a poker site from my home in the United States and not go to jail, I would have done it. Because there was a lot of money in that. But I didn't do it because it was breaking the law. I didn't do it because I wouldn't be able to stay in the United States ever again. I wouldn't be able to set foot in the United States ever again if I did that. So I didn't. That's the same reason a lot of you listening didn't do it. So... Poker stars took the chance. They operated illegally. We may have enjoyed them operating illegally, but they're still operating illegally. And now that they want to join the legal market, you can't fault the government for saying, "Uh uh-uh, we don't want you in the legal market, or if you want to enter the legal market, then you have to make the following changes to satisfy us that you're not exactly the same company anymore. Isai has to be out. I, I don't blame them. Now, apparently the big... Objections are coming from the American Gaming Association, which is a group of casino operators in the U.S., including Caesars. They all apparently hate poker stars. So they've been putting pressure on the New Jersey Gaming Commission and you know gaming enforcement, and this is apparently the result. But I, I don't even disagree with it. So what do you think? I don't know. It's um, it's a tough situation here. I mean, 
he paid, I mean, I can see why they wouldn't want somebody in control of something that's had a criminal record or whatever. But, I mean, it happens all the time in companies. People step down and, you know, they're still running them or whatever, but they're not the head of the company anymore. And, I don't know, he, he, he paid his fine. Poker stars paid their fine. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, I, I think they should be allowed, but I can see why they wouldn't want them to be. Yeah, they did pay the fine. That is true. But they still made money. Even after the fine they paid, which much of it was just to buy full tilt. So it's not like they just paid a fine and the money was gone. They actually bought full tilt for $750 million. That was the fine they paid. Uh, there are still pending criminal charges against Isai Scheinberg himself. Uh, the agreement of the fine was only for the civil charges against poker stars. So they're not That's expected right. to pay further I- fines. I can't really blame them for wanting him out of the picture or whatever, but I mean, I'm sure PokerStars would do whatever they have to do to prove that he's not there, even if he is, you know? So, I mean... That's why they want him out of the picture. That's why they're saying we we want proof he's really gone from the divesting point of view. We want him to divest from the company. That's the only way we know he's really gone. I mean, how do you prove that, though? Well, if he divests, they can prove it. If he he just says, oh, I'm I'm not operating the company anymore, but I still own parts of it, then they don't believe him. Yeah, but his son, isn't his son the one that took over? I yes. mean, couldn't he just step step down and just get back whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like it would be something very easily for him to not be on paper. You well, know? If, if he, yes, I mean, yes, but to divest his interests, that's a step further than just changing the paper titles everyone has there. And that's okay. what New Jersey thinks he's done. New Jersey thinks they just, uh, you know, he says his son's running it now when it's really still him. And of course, right. of course, his son's gonna say, "Oh yeah, sure, I'm running it." Like, who's gonna who who knows the truth? Right, but yeah, I guess getting your name off of everything—that's like a big risk for for him too. Even if it is his son that's running it, I mean, seen seen fa- like business things rip partners and families apart before. So I mean, that's a multi-billion-dollar company. You know? Yeah. So so I think. Uh, this is not dead in the water, by the way. This, they could change their mind. This is kind of the first round of temporary licenses being given out. But for the moment, it doesn't look good for poker stars in New Jersey. And New Jersey has been known to be pretty difficult with these type, types of things here where they, they really like to check into the background of the ones they give licenses to. Other states may not be as obsessed with this, and New Jersey may not really end up going anywhere. Like, the the poker may be a fail site there. And keep in mind, poker is just part of what's being offered in New Jersey. They're going to be offering a lot of online gambling, not just poker. So... I think New Jersey's going to do well. Well, I I think the online gambling part will do well. I don't know about the poker. Like, the poker, it's been like a semi-fail site already in Nevada... Which I know right. is smaller, but it, it hasn't been very impressive on either WSOP.com or Ultimate Poker so far. So, I don't know, maybe the online casino aspect of it will bring in people to the poker rooms. In fact, maybe it'll bring more fish there and the games will be great. But we'll have to see in two weeks when this starts. But Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be huge, but I think it will be big enough to run every day. I mean, you know, it'll be profitable, I think, especially with the... Um you know, if they have the online casino stuff, I mean... Well, yeah, that'll definitely just, make a lot That's going to suck so many people in. That's the de- real degenerate stuff that's going to get people in there, you know? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's where it has the best chance to get a decent poker room going, is if there's people who win in the degenerate casino online, 
and then try right. to take it to poker. That's like the poker player's dream to see that happen. So, mm-hmm. Anyway, that's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in New Jersey in two weeks, and we'll have to follow what happens to poker stars and whether they should get a license. I admit as far as providing good software and providing the expertise of uh, 10 years in the industry, 10 plus, actually 11 years in the industry, uh, poker stars would be great for that. But I can see at the same time why they're shut out because they they chose to break the law and the the guy who broke the law is still pretty much in charge there, just maybe not on paper. Right. So here's something that uh, (laughs) is not poker stars for sure. This is a new network that is U.S. facing. So U.S. players have a new choice. It's called the Equity Poker Network. Now, I often get questions from people who aren't really following online poker very closely. They ask me, can you still play online poker in the U.S.? And I like, can you still play on Poker Stars? And I said, no. Well, what about Full Tilt? No. What about UB? Now they're gone. Well, where can you play? And then I, I have to explain to them about Merge, about Lock, about, uh, about Bovada. Yeah, the, the sites that still offer games for U.S. players, uh, the Yadahe Network, the Chico Network. Well, there's a new network, the Equity Poker Network, that is launching. It's a little bit different in that it's called a non-profit network. Now, before you get too excited, non-profit doesn't mean no rake. Non-profit doesn't mean they don't make any money. Nonprofit means that the network itself does not make money, that the skins in the network make money. So the old model, the model that's always existed for networks that have several skins on them, and a skin, of course, for those of you that don't know, a skin is a, a site that connects to a poker network where uh, you can have five different poker sites connected into one network where they're all sharing players. So that, that's what skins are. Skins are the individual sites that connect to the network. Well, the traditional model is a network, and then the skins are separate from them. So every dollar and rake that's collected, some of it is kept by the network, and some of it is kept by the skin. Well, this nonprofit network is going to keep none of the money. The network is supposedly not going to make a profit. I, it's probably going to keep money to keep itself running. But it's some weird cooperative they have where the network itself will not make a profit and the skins will keep all of the profit. And the skins will be managing all of their rake back and all of their bonus deals. So there will be no rules as to what the skins can offer. Which I think is going to be a disaster, by the way. Uh, There are going to be five skins, at least to start. Poker Hero. This is not Hero Poker, by the way. This is Poker Hero, H-I-R-O which is like an Asian skin. Gear Poker, Heritage Sports, Full Flesh Poker, and Integer Poker. What is Integer Poker? Is that like for math nerds? Yeah, I know, huh? Integer Poker. You need you need a HUD to play on there. Or <laughs> integer Poker. So those are the five skins feeding into it. How is it doing so far? Well, it is pretty new, but I actually took the liberty of downloading one of these sites. And keep in mind, right now as we're broadcasting, it is prime time to be playing online poker in the U.S. 8.30 at night. Everybody's home from work, no matter where they are in the U.S. Everyone's sitting home, has kind of idle time. This is when all poker sites 
tend to be most busy as far as U.S. facing ones go. Like on Poker Stars, back when they took U.S. players, the busiest time busiest time would be like eight thirty Pacific time. So at eight thirty Pacific time on the Equity Poker Network, there are two games that have eight players sitting. That's uh, one cent, two cent, no limit, and ten cent, twenty five cent, no limit. Then there's one game with six players sitting. That's twenty five cent, fifty cents, no limit. Then they have the nosebleed game going. That's fifty cents a dollar, no limit. That's the highest limit going right now with five players. And then we have three twenty five cent, fifty cent games with three players each, and that's it. So at the moment, at tables that are running, we have uh, let's see, nine. We have thirty six players at the moment. Thirty six players playing for real money right now on the Equity Poker Network. Obviously, not a wild success yet. Seven tables, thirty six players total. This is at peak hours. I looked before the show started. It was like 25 players. This is also a bad sign. You can click these little filters at the top so it only shows you certain types of tables You know, if you just want to see no limit or fixed limit or whatever. So mm-hmm. you have no limit. You can check that box. Pot limit. Checks that, check that box. Fixed limit. You can check that box. And then heads up. H-E-A-D apostrophe S up. <laughs> they can't even spell heads up They put an apostrophe so This is full flush poker by the way That I'm looking at So They're giving a 150% welcome bonus If you sign up I don't know up to what amount But I would not advise putting money On the equity poker network just yet Me neither uh, this looks like a fail network if I've ever seen one. Uh, I, I don't think it's a scam. I just think that it's someone who is a little bit too ambitious and doesn't know what they're doing. And they're like, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll create this cooperative of five fail skins that we're, we're not going to take money from each other. We're just going to we're just going to cooperate. And not have a greedy network in the middle. And this way the skins can keep a lot more money for themselves. And this way the skins can offer their players better bonuses. And people go, oh wow, look at these great deals. Look at the great bonuses and the great rakeback. Well, everyone's going to want to come and play here. And let me tell you the problem with that. You never want a situation where skins can poach from one another. You don't want skins upping their deals to steal the grinders from the other skins. Because let's say you're playing on Poker Hero. Again, not Hero Poker, but Poker Hero. Okay? <laughs> Let's say you're playing a Poker Hero, and uh, the Asian owner there is giving you 50% rake back. And then Full Flush Poker says, Hey, psst, I see you're playing a lot on Poker Hero. How about I give you 55% rake back to play over here? You're like, ah, sweet. Well, of course you're going to switch. You don't give a crap which one you play on. You, you're, you're against all the same players, so you don't care. The only thing that matters to you is who gives the best rake back deal. So you switch over to full flush. Well, then uh, integer poker runs the numbers, as they're very good at doing. (laughs) And integer poker figures out mathematically that they can give you up to 71% rake back and still make a profit. So you go over there to get 71%. 
Well, then Poker Hero, not to be one up to you, says, Oh! And they offer you 75% rake back, and you come over there. Can you imagine the disaster that's going to occur with this? With right. the poaching? With the, the infighting between skins? Right now, they're all getting along in their little cooperative because they've got 36 players. But if this right. ever does become a successful site, it's going to be a huge mess. And I'm not guessing about this. This already happened. This happened on Merge. This tore apart the Merge network. Now, speaking of Hero Poker, go to heropoker.eu. Or sorry, it's heropoker.com, I guess. It was EU for a while. Heropoker.eu. What do I keep saying? Heropoker.com. You will see it says, Hero Poker will relaunch for mid-2013. I guess they're going to go back in time or something. Be epic. Hero Poker's gone. Hero Poker is gone because of the merge poaching that was going on. Lock Poker and Black Chip Poker were poaching from them and other skins. And these other skins all went down. There's a huge fight on the merge network between skins that I've talked about previously on this show. That tore the whole merge network apart. That pretty much changed the whole face of it. The reason you can't transfer between players anymore, the, the reason that uh, there's a lot fewer skins on Merge, all of that is because of the poaching. Right. So Locke Lock was the deadliest. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe Locke will pop up on Equity Poker Network <laughs> <Yeah>. and just <laughs> take everybody. Yeah, Locke's going to say, we have a new announcement. We've just bought into a great new poker network, uh, the Equity Poker Network. Wouldn't oh, even okay. surprise me. So... Yeah, this, this model's never going to work. It's already been tried and it's failed. So I don't think they're even going to get that. Fraud. I just don't think they're going to get the number of people they need. What is interesting, it says 326 players online, but there's only 36 people playing. What about play money? Yeah, maybe it's play money. Actually, I'm one of the 326 just sitting there looking at the game. So maybe there's just people like me just online to monitor the games. What, what's really annoying there is you can't even monitor the games without having an account. Right. So you can't even see, like, what's running. So I had to make this, like, fake account on there. That's like on Merge. It's the same way. You can't see anything unless you make an account and log in. Yeah. I, I think my account lives at 123 Main Street in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> I think my phone number is, like, 818-333-3333. So... Uh, Go ahead and hack my account. I'll tell you my name, too. My name is Jack Mehoff. <laughs> That's really my name there. So you can you can, uh, you, you can go hack Jack Me. I, I wish I remember the password. I don't remember the password anymore. That's uh, my full flush poker account that I made today right before the show. All right, so here's an even weirder new poker site. If you think the Equity Poker Network's strange, wait till you hear about this one. Quarter Poker. I remember when I first heard about quarters in Las Vegas. Uh, is when I was learning to count cards in blackjack. And one of my friends said, uh, you know, I don't want to play with this $10 table with you anymore. I- I'm going to go over to, I think it was Bellagio, and play quarters. And I was thinking, what? Why would they have 25-cent blackjack at Bellagio? And then I quickly realized what he meant. Quarters in gambling are... $25 chips, green $25 chips. Right. So when Quarter Poker started, and I heard Quarter Poker will give you a free quarter every day, I was like, oh, wow. A poker site's going to give you $25 free every day? That's pretty nice. No. It's an actual quarter. Quarter Poker is giving you 
25 cents to play every day on the site. But no, not just 25 cents every day. 25 cents only if your account is under 25 cents. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Uh, in fact, if you're under 25 cents but above zero, you get less than a quarter. Basically, you can top your account up back to a quarter if you're under a quarter. And again, this is 25 cents, not $25. Now, what's the point of this? Well, this is pretty much a free money site where you don't deposit at all. It's actually legal in the U.S. because you're not gambling. Just like the No Fraud Online Poker Room, just like the free roll tournament we have every week here on this show is not illegal. If the FBI called me in and said, Todd, do you run the No Fraud Online Poker Room that gives away real money? Do you send people money on PayPal every week for winning in poker? I would say, yes, I do. And then they'd say, well, you know, I'm surprised you're admitting this. You can go to jail. I said, no, I can't, because no one's depositing here. It's free. You you get to play for free, and I pay you money. You can't lose. So that's what Quarter Poker's doing. You don't deposit there. You just sign up. They give you 25 cents. And if you bust that 25 cents, you can bring yourself back to 25 cents every 24 hours. You cannot just keep adding 25 cents over and over, but you can bring yourself back to 25 cents if you're below that. If you can somehow run up that quarter up to $50, you can cash out. Well, kind of. If you do get up to $50, you can't cash out $50. You can cash out $25. Why? I don't know why. But that's the rule is they cut your cash out in half. So let's say you do run up to $50. You can hit the cash out button. They'll supposedly pay you on PayPal 25 bucks and then take your 50 bucks away. So you really are only getting half the money in the cash out and they're taking the rest away. So my question is, why don't they just cut the whole thing in half and give you 12 and a half cents and let you run up to 25 and cash out there? Like, like mm. why give you a quarter? It's, it's so weird. It's like a weird marketing thing the way they're doing it. Yeah. So twelve and a half cents poker doesn't sound as good as quarter poker. I, I guess so. So uh, supposedly they're going to offer an option eventually where you can subscribe for a monthly fee and then get the full fifty dollars if you reach it. But this looks like a failed business model to me. Right now, you can't even subscribe. Right now, the only way it makes money is on ads. They have ads running on quarter poker. What kind of ads do they have running? I haven't even looked. But here's another funny thing. You'll be playing against bots, and I'm not guessing this. The owner admitted that there's bots on the site. In fact, they are running the bots. But the owner says, don't worry, the bots are not very good. <laughs> we have bots playing against you here, but they're not, they're not very good. They're, they're bad bots. They're, they're poker bots that are, are not very skillful. So they claim the bots will be withdrawn from the site when it stops being a fail site and when it actually gets enough players to where they don't need bots to fill the games anymore. So, unlike uh, Full Flush Poker on the Equity Poker Network, you will not come on and only see 36 players playing. You'll actually see a lot of players playing, but a lot of them will be bots. And so, so basically, it's a free poker site. You get your 25 cents. You try to run up your 25 cents against mostly bots. And if somehow you run up to 50, then you can cash out 25. This whole thing looks like a waste of time to me. I mean, if you're going to play free money poker anyway, I guess better to play there than somewhere where you can't ever cash in that money. 
But right. uh, that, that's all it really is. It's a, a free poker site. And if you were, I, I mean, I wonder if it'd be worth it. I mean, not to someone who has any kind of decent money, but like someone who just kind of wants to mess around. Would it be worth it to just take your quarter, just shove all in very quickly? If you make that, shove all in very quickly, and then if, if somehow you double up a few times. Uh, then try to wait for some better spots where you're not just shoving in with garbage, but just like wait till you get like I don't know Ace King and shove in, and, or, or Pocket Pair and shove in, and just hope hope you keep doubling a few times to where you get up to fifty dollars. Like I wonder yeah, if it's that's worth what I would it. Do I just do it over and over every day? Yeah, I wonder if it's worth it to just I mean, not worth it to me personally, but I wonder if right. to some listeners here it might be worth it to sign up, get the quarter, and just play super aggressively, and then. Every time you bust, just try the next day. Yeah. So maybe I mean, you can make I've, it. I've ran eight cents to three thousand dollars before, but um, but obviously there were higher limits as I prog- progressively moved up wow, over there. Cents. Wow. I can't imagine. I can't imagine this. They're probably just small, small games. So I mean, yeah, that's the only way to do it. You get the you get the quarter, and you just you just got to go balls to the walls and just try and try and pick it up quick. If you bust, just go back and get another quarter. Have them top you up. Hmm. Yeah, I mean so, it's the only way to do it. And there's no guarantee they're going to pay you either. I mean, they claim they'll pay you on PayPal, and I have to think if you get up to fifty dollars fairly quickly, they'll send you the twenty-five. I can't see they're going to start off scamming people because then no one's going to want to sign up. But I can right. see like if they've been up for a while, that if enough people get up to this fifty dollars, they're going to not pay. They have like if they have like a thousand pending cash outs of twenty-five dollars each, they're not going to want to do it. I can't right. say that for sure, but I can see that happening easily. Where at the very beginning, they'll probably pay out because they want the good word of mouth. So, I, I don't think it's a scam, but I, I think it's kind of a failed business model. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, it's amazing. Like these things are still popping up. Like I mean, some of these bigger rooms are having problems. And when I say big, these bigger rooms in the U.S. are relatively small. So I mean, I just don't see how the time and effort to put these sites together is um, going to make much money. but Yeah, how does, how does Quarter Poker think they're going to make that much money? Like, they may get a few people who think they're good enough to subscribe to get the full 50. But is right. that... I mean, how many are going to be like that? Like, like how many subscriptions are they really going to get? When most people right. can just get on for free, get their quarter, and run it up and get 25 of the 50. Like, like who would ever pay under those circumstances? Right. So, it's... I think this is one of these things they're going to spend way, way more money developing it and running it and paying for the servers and everything like, like that uh, right. than they'll ever make. I can't ever imagine this being successful. Unless it's some 15 or 16-year-old kid running it you know, from his basement, you know? Yeah. Maybe it is. It could be. You never <laughs> maybe, know. Maybe it is that's running. Maybe it's like the uh, the, the the old Eric Ryland. Maybe it's like the, the, the new Eric Ryland of 2013. The uh, the you know the the current Eric Ryland is, is in his twenties, but like the the 2005 version of Eric Ryland running this maybe. Right. So all right. Now it's time for the legalized U.S. poker report. We have three stories here. First of all, Delaware, and by the way, to the user Delaware, if you want to call in, you're welcome to. We want to hear from you if you've played on there. But. Uh, Delaware has opened their poker room at uh, Dover Downs. And I think Full Flush Poker is jealous of them. Because last I looked, the Delaware poker room 
has 36 players. They're in stiff competition right now with uh, with the Equity Poker Network. It's uh, both 36 players. Remember the old days of online poker when it was uh, you know, you'd be on Poker Stars and it would be like 360,000 at this time of night. We've gone from 360,000 to 36. We're actually talking about two different poker networks with 36 players on them. Yeah, that's gonna. Uh, this is gonna be the big problem someday. I mean, if these <laughs> rooms just keep popping up their own rooms, then you know they're either gonna fail because you know it's gonna cost too much to run the rooms unless they have casinos, or they're you know they're just it, it's just not gonna work. People won't stay interested. They're just gonna have micro games going all the time. You know? Yeah. So, so thirty six players last I heard on the Delaware rooms at uh, Dover Downs. So I knew that would be a fail. Delaware's population is just not big enough. There's uh, not enough of a gambling population in Delaware. There's not really anywhere to to play in Delaware. It's not like New Jersey that has Atlantic City or Nevada that has Vegas. There's just Delaware. And there's just not enough of a a gambling-interested population and not enough of a tourism population there. There's not enough people that come to Delaware as tourists to want to gamble on these sites. So... I can't believe they're even trying. I thought it'd be one of these places that legalizes it, but doesn't really get anything going. But no, uh, they just started they're, this room. It's been open for almost two weeks, and thirty-six players. They're banking on that casino. That's what they want. Yeah. Of the, I think like the poker is almost a front for the you know, if you can get the legalized sports betting and all the gambling and all that crap, then you know, the poker is just an afterthought to some of these companies. Yeah. So. That's uh, that's the Delaware news. I mean, there's not much else to uh, to say about that right now. Now, here is a uh, a current list of rooms that are uh, tracked by PokerScout.com. This is not 100% accurate. PokerScout has been known to make mistakes, but uh, this is what they claim as far as U.S. facing sites right now. Some of these are even Bitcoin sites. Number one, Bodog, a.k.a. Bovada, with a 24-hour peak of 2,509 players online. Seven-day average of 1,400. Number two, the Winning Poker Network, with uh, 2,179 players on, but right now, which is, of course, the peak. I'm surprised they say that... uh, the 24-hour peak is 7:11, which I don't quite understand. How that? How is the peak 7:11 for 24 hours, but yet 21:79 on now? Right, right now. That's like weird. But Probably don't update the peak times. Maybe what they mean is the the average peak. Like the I don't know what they mean by 24-hour peak. Well, there's something 21:79 on, uh, but with a 7:11 24-hour peak. Uh, the Chico Network with twenty nine fifty nine on right now, but only a six sixty six twenty four hour peak. Is that's a U.S. network? Yeah. Chico. Yeah. Who? What? What's on that? Jeez, I don't. Some of them. One of those sites that's on Equity just left Chico. Okay. Chico yeah. Loco Poker. Yeah, Chico Loco Poker. Let's see. Uh, let me see some skins here. Uh. I don't even have them in front of me. Well, anyway, uh, the Merge Network number four, Revolution number five, with uh, 
Oh, and I, I see. This is uh, the way it's ranking them is by cash players. So let me okay. let me start up again. There, the, this players online doesn't really matter. It's only about cash players, really, honestly. So, Bodog was number one, but it doesn't say how many there are. Winning Network has six hundred twenty-one. Chico has five hundred forty-two. Merge for some reason number four at six seventy-two, even though they should be number two. Uh, Revolution three hundred ten cash players right now. WSOP.com in Nevada. 283 players on uh, playing cash right now. Seals with clubs of all of all sites. A Bitcoin site, uh, 161 cash players at the moment. Ultimate Poker, 193 at the moment. So, they also are lower than WSOP.com in 24-hour peak players, whatever that means, and seven-day average players are lower. So they've they've fallen below WSOP.com. WSOP was just trailing Ultimate Poker last week. Now they've jumped ahead. However, this may not mean that Ultimate Poker is circling the drain and WSOP is rising. What event did we just have over the past week? What was the big event everyone's been talking about in poker from a week November ago? November 9, World Series, final right. table. Right, so everyone was watching the main event, the final table, and they see all this promotion for WSOP.com. They think of WSOP.com. So if they're in Nevada, they go to WSOP.com. It kind of has like a a World Series final table boost. They definitely got it because they really jumped over the past week. But whether they keep those players is another story, so we'll have to check them again next week. But for the moment, they're leading Ultimate Poker by a good amount, but not huge. They're ahead, but not like several times ahead. They're not even double yet, but they have gotten ahead. They're like 50% ahead now. Uh, from there, on, from that point forward, the rest of them are tiny sites that haven't really gotten going yet. Including African Poker Online, whatever that is. Would you want to play an African poker online? <laughs> Run out of Nigeria? I, I Actually, I don't know where it is, but... African poker online. But those are really the... ones that uh, are being tracked by Poker Scout. And of course, there's the ones like uh, Full Flush that have 36 cash players, and uh, Locke, which I don't even see on this list right now. Yeah, Locke's not even on the list. Weird. Probably just because they're new. Maybe they don't have them up yet or something. They were there before, and they were like below Seals of the Clubs, actually. But I don't hmm. see them now. They're just missing. Maybe they have nobody online. Yeah, maybe everybody's left locked. Maybe that's a, the final straw is, is, uh occurred with uh, no longer being able to deposit with Skrill. Nah, but there's always stupid people who play there. I think they're just missing. So... The reason I, I read this whole list is because I, I just want to show that WSOP has passed Ultimate Poker, but it doesn't mean all that much yet. I have to wait to see what happens as the weeks pass after the main event. And both sites, to be honest, are, are not doing very well. I mean, between the two of them at the moment, at pretty much peak hours, especially Nevada where it's uh, really peak hours because it's, it's not late there. Nevada is it's not even 9 o'clock yet. So... Between the two sites, WSOP.com and UltimatePoker.com, they have fewer than 500 players on right now. 
I wonder if at some point they're just going to merge all these sites because there's supposed to be more rooms to pop up, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't think there's enough players to support it. This is this is not what they put all this money into. You know, WSOP.com, they put a lot of money into that. They did not put all this money into have 283 players on at prime hours on a weeknight. Right. Same with Ultimate Poker. They didn't put all this money into have 193 at this hour. So. I mean, I'm sure it'll get busy during the World Series times and stuff like that, but I mean... It's just, I don't know, I mean... Yeah, it's only like seven weeks, you know. <laughs> they can't exist yeah, for a seven-week period and the rest, right. of the, the rest of the year fail. Right, right, right. But um, I'm just thinking they're going to have to merge or get other states to opt in. I mean, there's just no other way for this to work. I, I just don't see, you know, with the amount of money they've put into it, it just seems too small, especially not offering, like, sports gambling and stuff on there. So, yeah. I, I I've got to look up what this African Poker Network is. Now I have to look up African Poker Online. Which I've got to see what that is. I just so it has no reviews. Be the first to review Af- African Poker Online. I've got to look this up. African Poker Online. This is so strange. See, now I can't even find it. I googled it. It's not even coming up. Oh, here, here, AfricanPokerNetwork.com. <laughs> this is funny. All right. If you go to AfricanPokerNetwork.com slash, let's go. Just go there. AfricanPokerNetwork.com. Let me check this out. All right. Never heard of this. <laughs> so. It shows like this WPT logo, but if you go to Poker News on the top and go to uh, where is it? No, Kenya Poker Tournament. Is it really a Kenya Poker Tournament? Maybe you have to go over there. Maybe they have some soft fields. Yeah, I can't imagine there's a lot of pros in that field. Right. The Kenya Poker Tour. Is that a real thing? Wow. <laughs> the KPT. <laughs> I'm a KPT champion. What's that? It doesn't matter. It's the KPT. It's a something poker tour. African Poker Online beta is live. Here, I'm going to send you this on Skype. You can look at it, too. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm on there right now. Okay. Uh, well, it's taken a while, but the beta version of our free play poker room is up and running for you to test. All you have to do is go to www.africanpokeronline.com and sign up. It's a little quiet right now, not quiet. It's a little quiet right now, as it is still in testing mode. I think they have the same proofreader as Full Flush Poker. So make sure you invite friends to come play at the same time as you. <laughs> this is where online poker stands these days. It's like it went from like poker stars to three hundred sixty thousand people online to, hey, you should invite friends to come play at the same time as you because it's a little quiet right now. Hundred percent free and hundred percent legal poker for Africa. Unbelievable! I want to play on this thing. I, want, I, I still want to play at the Kenyan Poker uh, tour, tour Tournament. Let me see it here. I guarantee, if you download the beta, your your, your Bank of America account will read probably negative in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's here's some reports from the uh, Kenya Poker Tour. Uh, a fresh and promising day three of the tournament. Five players check in for the heavyweight bout with their ranks as below. Monica with 1.5 million. Guido with 1.040 million. 
Menhaz with 715,000, Homer with 540,000, and Roberto with 260,000. The game begins in a boxing ring, and a few minutes into the game, Homer gets busted out as Monica maintains the chip lead. So they, are they actually playing in a boxing ring? I have no idea. And, and what's with Guido? Like, did some Italian guy fly down there? It's like, ah, mamma mia, this is an easy one for me to win. Like, like, who is Guido? What is Guido doing in Kenya? I don't believe there's a Kenyan named Guido. And what about Homer? They know about the soft fields over there. Maybe. So, Monica looks like she's dominating, though. I want to, I want to meet this Monica. She's just killing the field. So, one hour into the game, in the tense poker room, another one bites the dust, Roberto. So, Roberto, he didn't he didn't walk away with the glory. So Homer went, Doh! and busted first. Roberto then went out next. Uh, Monica was the current chip leader, followed by Menhaz, then Guido. Now, Guido, uh, he got whacked, leaving the two ladies. I didn't know Menhaz was a lady. Menhaz and Monica. Now, which one do you think won? Uh, I'm pretty sure I, I, I had money on um, Menhaz, but... You, boy, you're right. I, I really thought Monica was going to take it, but Menhaz is the Kenya Poker Tour... 2013 winner. <laughs> I want to go and play this. I wonder how much the buy-in was. What was the buy-in? How do I find this out? How do I find this out? A tournament calendar. Let's say the event archives. This is uh, September, by the way. Okay, so, uh, oh, I could have played in the Royal Swazi Rumble 16 in Swaziland, but there's no information about it. The Royal Swazi Rumble. Can you believe this? Unbelievable. Oh, how about this? The WSOPA, for, I don't know what A stands for, but, you know, Africa. There's a WSOP Africa? Really? In 2012? I don't think so, but... They claim there was the WSOPA. Maybe they just stole the name and didn't care. They're like, yeah, go ahead and sue us. Mega Satellite for Main Event, $200. So weird. I want to play a tournament in Swaziland. <laughs> I have a feeling if I went to Swaziland or Kenya, I would be like far and away the best player there. I, I, well, Roberto is pretty good. He ran pretty bad in that turn. That's right. So. Roberto may have, he may take me out if he gets some chips. And Guido, he I, doesn't even need chips. I, I don't think Guido is that good, but it, like if I, I bust him out, I'm definitely keeping away from him after yeah, the tournament. Yeah. I know he's good at running a short stack. <laughs> Guido, if I busted him, I would actually have somebody else start my car for me before I got in it. <laughs> I can't believe this is real. It's like something people would make up. You know what's funny? I actually did make this up. Uh, when I used to play on Caribbean Sun Poker on the Inner Poker Network, this is back in, like in 2004, 2005, uh, I had a, an account named Kuda Kinta that I used to pretend was from Chad. <laughs> and I used to claim I was the Chad poker, the Chad series of poker winner. <laughs> And, and people believed me, and they said, what's the Chad series of poker? And I said, it took place in the rec room of Le Meridian in, in Jamina, which is the capital of Chad. And <laughs> and and so I said, the top prize was $1,000 and a goat, and second place was $1,000 with no goats. <laughs> and people are actually believing this. 
and they really believed I was this African guy. I mean, some people knew who I was, but uh, some people really believed it. And uh, in an eerie sort of way, I predicted the absolute poker scandal by saying that I won the tournament by a guy going all in with nine high and me calling with ten high and winning. I really said that, and then that really happened on Absolute Poker. Though I didn't claim to be a super user, but I claimed that's what happened at the live chat series of poker, and that was how I won. Wow. But, I'm uh, sure you got some action from some people, too, because they probably thought you were a fish. Well, yeah, but there's this one guy who wouldn't play... There's one fish on there who wouldn't play me because he hated black people. <laughs> he actually would not play me. He actually said... Uh, he, he said, I won't play with niggers, he said. <laughs> oh, and, then, and, man. He would, and then he would sit out. It was so frustrating because, like... Uh, I thought I had this good act going there, and then this guy wouldn't play me. And he was just, like, he would sit out until I would leave, and then when I'd leave, he would play again. Like, the other users would get pissed at me, too. They'd go, come on, man, get out of here. He, you know, come on, he wants to play. I'm like, no, you know, it's a, this guy wants to sit out, he can sit out, but I'm not leaving, because he, he, he's racist. So, right. That's um, crazy. Anyway. Uh, so that's, uh, I don't know how we got on this topic, <laughs> <laughs> There's, there really is a, a, a going to the African Poker Network. That's right. That's crazy. The Kenya, Kenya Poker Tour, the KPT. All right. So our final legalized U.S. poker report, which somehow bridged over to the legalized Africa poker report. New Jersey is allowing self-exclusion from their casinos. And I mentioned this before when I was giving the summary of the uh, online gaming conference that they had in Philadelphia that they were going to allow people to self-exclude from New Jersey online gaming. But yes, that's going to be happening here. If you think you're a degenerate, if you think you're a Chris Moneymaker and don't want to shoot off online, you can actually self-exclude and have them ban you from New Jersey online gaming. This is a requirement, apparently, for anyone who wants to offer online gaming in New Jersey. His yeah, self-exclusion. That's, yeah, that's a that's a good good thing to have. I mean, every site should have that. If you know. Yeah, yeah. If you want to ban yourself, you should be able to. Right. And I, I, I would never have to ban myself from anything. Like I've actually had people ask me to ban them from this site and other sites I've run because they they think they spent too much time on there. I, I've never felt the need to have myself banned from anything. I've always had enough self-control to say. I'm just not going to do this. And if I if I don't, then I want to suffer whatever consequences I have for not being able to stop. So right. I, I wouldn't ever have a third party ban me from something. I think that's for kids. But I, I guess some people need it if they're compulsive gamblers. And I think I think it is useful to have. I just I just think it's funny when people use that. Like, how can you just not have enough self control to keep yourself from gambling? You actually have to have to have the site ban you. Yeah, Chris, Chris Moneymaker, he should probably self-ban himself from, uh, you know, Atlantic City if he ever goes there, just because, yeah. you know. <laughs> At least he can't sports he, there, though. He might run up, run up some e-checks and lose some sports bets. That's right. Except he, he can't bet on sports in New Jersey. Okay. They're, they put, they're putting a casino in, though, right? Online? Yeah, you just can't do sports. Okay. Online or otherwise. There's no sports betting in New Jersey, which is why there were so many bookies over there. And that's why all these poker players got involved with taking bets for people and in New Jersey and New York because they, they they just don't have a legal betting option over there. Right. So, anyway. Uh, 
Last topic, and then we'll take some questions from the chat room or phone calls or whatever. AG400, which I mentioned earlier in the show and on previous shows, and we even called up the ARIA. AG400 appeared under the Ivy's Room sign, just the abbreviation AG400. Nobody knew what that was, but it just appeared under the Ivy Room as a, another sign. It's actually like a real sign there. It's not like a temporary sign. A real sign has been put under the Ivy Room sign saying AG400. Uh, we found out through a phone call that AG were the initials of one of the players who was a regular in that room, and the 400 is in reference to the typical buy-in, 400K, that they buy into the big game there. They would not say who AG was. In fact, they already gave us more information than was allowed to be released. They were not supposed to say anything, but we got someone to give us some information on the phone before they clamped up. Uh, From there, there's a bunch of speculation as to who AG is, but nobody was able to say for sure. Well, I got some information that AG at the ARIA is Alex Gore. And indeed... The 400 is a 400k buy-in for the game that he plays in. And for some reason, they thought this was going to add a lot of intrigue to the room. I don't know why they thought that, but they thought that putting AG400 and leaving it a mystery would really like draw people into that room to play high limits. I don't know why they thought that. But they, they thought that, but shock upon shocks, it has not taken off like they thought it would. So Yeah, like... If they hide it from everybody, I mean, who who is Alex Gore? I don't know who that is. Well, so people are thinking that Alex Gore is a a guy who's a Hollywood producer. I hadn't really heard of him, but uh, that's who Alex Gore is, supposedly. Um, So he's a Hollywood producer, 400K min buy-in, and that's the game he plays. So they slapped his name up on the wall. That's that's what I heard. Yes, that's I was told that that's uh, that he's the head of Alex Gore Productions, whatever that is. They should have just convinced someone like Ben Affleck or something. That would like give the room a little, you know. <laughs> I'd be. Like, I mean, some people with money be, might be like, "Oh, I'll go play with Ben Affleck." Who the hell's Alex Gore? You know. Yeah. So if you go to Alex Gore, oh, here we are on their website. It's obnoxious. I don't want to hear that. And when you go to a website, it does that to you. We just go to a website and something auto-plays really loud like that. And the reason that's terrible is, like, let's say there's someone sleeping next to you. Right. Let's say you're at work. You don't want that just blasting on like that. You want you want to be able to only hear sound if you want to hear sound on a website. So for that reason, Alex Gore should just, like, lose right away next time he plays. But that, uh, that, That's how it is on, like, uh, I've been going on CBS Sportsline. That's what I use for sports just to read whatever or check box scores. Every time I click on something now, it's a YouTube pod. Like, a YouTube will just stop playing. And I just figured out how to disable it. But, I mean, every single page you click on, it's just boom, boom, boom. It's just so annoying. Yeah, and I don't know if this Alex Gore Productions is the same Alex Gore. This is based out of Florida. It's it's more of a... It looks more like a private production company, I, I like producing uh, documentaries and web series and I don't know, maybe, maybe it is maybe it isn't, but that's, it's supposedly a person named Alex Gore and that is now the very strong rumor from a reliable source so that's what's being said right now And you, pr- you pretty confident in the source? 
Yeah, at the moment, but not 100%. It's not Al Gore, by the way. Not the inventor of the internet. I'm talking about Alex Gore. <laughs> All right, so if anybody wants to call in, uh, we've run through our topics in about two hours. So, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, or uh, 702 430 Uh there's also an Alec Gores, a Christian Arab American Israeli businessman whose net worth is estimated at almost two billion. That, that could be him. Maybe that's who they I don't know. Maybe it's Alec Gores. <laughs> but uh TMML Gay just uh PM'd me. Read the chat. I don't call in until you say sorry and discuss if I should leave or not. Fans are on the fence. So this is a, another drama here with TMML Gay who wants to discuss whether he should leave the site or not. Why Why does he want to leave? He always says he wants to leave. He always claims he's on the verge of leaving. And then the only time he ever left was not when he was claiming he was leaving. Yeah, he just left willing, but he just left on his own, right? Yeah, okay, I, this is interesting. I want to thank Darkstar, a former sponsor of this show, found a June 23rd article from 2011, so actually two and a half years old article, about Toby Maguire that uh, was part of a celebrity high-stakes poker ring that got busted. But the reason he was posting this in chat was that Alec Gores was mentioned in that article. So it's probably that guy. So it's got uh, sorry, Al, uh, sorry, not Alec, Alex Gore, not Alex Gore's. Others who are part of the secret society and are facing hefty lawsuits include billionaire businessman Alex Gore. Maybe that is the same person. I don't know. Maybe Alex Gore's and Alex Gore is the same person. The Notebook director Nick Casavetes. Welcome back, Cotter star Gabe Kaplan. Uh, pa- Paris Hilton, famous, uh, infamous sex tape partner Rick Solomon. Record owner label, uh, record label owner Cody Liebel, and Las Vegas nightlife entrepreneur and real estate developer Andrew Sasson, among others. So, uh, these people were in these high stakes Hollywood games, and uh, this was when Toby McGuire won three hundred thousand from a Beverly Hills hedge fund manager who embezzled investor funds to try to pay off Toby Maguire and others in the game. And that's what led to this whole investigation. This is back in 2011. See, the, Toby Maguire is far and away the best player in these games. He's uh, he's like a pretty good player. And everybody else is pretty much Hollywood fish. So he just cleans up in these things. That's why you don't right. see him in Bellagio anymore, like you used to all the time. He, he realized right. that he wants to play against the Hollywood fish rather than the good players at Bellagio. So... Alex Gore, billionaire businessman Alex Gore, he was one of the people who was there. So, it's got to be the same guy. AG400. It's got to be who Alex for, uh, AG400 is, yeah. So, uh, Tim and Mel Gay, I'm not going to apologize to you, but if you want to call in, you can. You're not going to extort an apology out of me. That's not how it works. Even though Josie, apparently, is on your side. Josie, uh, Bad guy twenty three's girlfriend says 
Why is everyone so mean to Team MLK? But then she identifies herself as a troll, so she might not really be serious. Is he? Did he call in, or is he trying to call in, or anything? No, TMA? no, nobody's okay. trying to call in right now. Seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. Josie says she likes Team MLK. You know, Josie, you can call in too. I don't care who calls in right now. And you know, if nobody wants to call, you just want to. Oh, he just need a few minutes. I love how he he extorts phone calls out of me, and then I say okay. I, I don't give in to his terrorist demands, but. I say, okay, call in as it needs a few minutes. I think he was thinking I wouldn't invite him to call in and then he could play victim or something. So now now he can't call. So, anybody wants to ask any questions in the meantime in the chat room, you can do so. And I'll try to answer them. I'm not going to answer every single question, but I'll try. Or you can call in. I gave the phone numbers. And if nobody calls in, if you just jerk me around for a while here and nobody calls I'm not going to I'm not going to wait by the phone I'll just end the show in fact we're at our peak listenership right now nobody's listening we have more listeners right now than we have at any time during the night ah we have a call coming in alright caller you are on the air hello hello is this seriously serious Uh, you know who I am is not important I've just called in to say please for the love of God do not take Team MLK's call. I propose that we play a game where we pretend that he doesn't exist and do not encourage these attention whoring shenanigans. Well, I, you know, half the site pretty much plays that game. The problem is, I'm under so much pressure from different factions here. Uh, some pressure me to ban Team MLK and never take his calls, and others get mad at me for hanging up on him and for uh, being rude to him and for banning him from the chat room sometimes. They, people can't decide as a whole, the community cannot get together and decide what fate they want for Team MLK, and I see where you stand in this argument. But I, I think this is all by design. He's probably crying tears of joy and, and creaming his pants, and we're even talking about him at this moment. Oh, I'm sure he's thrilled what, about that. That's what it's all about, really. The, the wormhole is behind Team MLK. That's some pretty big backing right there. That's true. That's, that's well, true. You know, I mean, even, even C-Money can be wrong about some things. He, I don't know, he's, he's fallible, I guess. This is proof that uh, he's not perfect. Well... Okay, uh, Flipper Fair in the chat room says I concur with seriously serious on this, even though the caller may or may not be seriously serious. I'm a, I'm an anonymous caller. Yeah, I could be anybody. You could be anybody. All right. Uh, anything yeah, else? Well, it's not. Well, you know, squeaky little gets grease. Sometimes it's just best to ignore a crying child. Is all I'm saying. Okay. Good night. All right. Good anonymous night. caller, I have a question. Uh, he hung up too late. Okay, I had a question for him, but yeah, now he's gone. But okay. uh, uh, someone just asked. Who has the buffet in the best buffet in Vegas? Well, I don't need. I, I don't need. I don't eat buffets. I also don't need buffets. If you've seen my stomach, you probably know that. But uh, I don't eat buffets very often. I just don't like them. Uh, back in the 1970s, when I first heard of buffets in Las Vegas, uh, it sounded so cool—a place with all different types of food. You just show up, go in there, and just eat as much as you want of anything in there that you want. Of unlimited amounts. And I, I just, I thought this was great. And I, I asked for my dad to take me there. And he refused. And he said, I hate buffets. They substitute quantity for quality. Right. And I, I thought my dad was just uh, being a jerk. 
and I really wanted to go. And I, I went to a few of them over the years, but as I became an adult, I realized he was right, just like many things with my dad, where I, I didn't believe him, or I, I thought he was saying things that uh, you know, just may apply to him, but not to me. And then I realized later, he was right. And this is one of those times that I completely agreed and this is after, you, you would think it would be the opposite, like I would love Buffet just to rebel against my dad, but no. Uh, I completely concurred with what he had to say about buffets. No matter how good or high-end the buffet, every time I would eat the food, which a lot of times would look good, sometimes the food would look great, but then I'd eat it and it just wouldn't have much taste. It just would never be that good. It would never be like good resta- restaurant-quality food. And... There are better buffets than others. There are some terrible buffets that are complete crap. And there are some other ones that are higher end. You know, there's a good one at uh, Caesars, the Bacchanal Buffet that just opened. Uh, The the Mandalay Bay is pretty good. Yeah, the Mandalay Bay. I think the Wynn has a good one. Uh, The Cosmo apparently has a good one. I've heard the Bellagio's is, like, really good, too. Yeah. For buffets, those are the good ones. They're expensive, by the way. Right. It's not like those five ninety nine buffets that you see advertised sometimes. You're not going to get that type of food at one of those. But I would go in those buffets, I'd pay the 40 bucks or whatever it held to cost to get in, and I'd leave disappointed. I wouldn't even leave all that full because I just wouldn't enjoy the food that much. And I usually leave really, really full when I'm really enjoying what I'm eating and I just want to eat as much as I can until I can't anymore. And I never seem to have that feeling of buffets. Buffets, I'm like, yeah, I'm done with this, yeah, I'm done with this, yeah... I really don't feel like getting more. It was just okay. That that that's always how I feel at buffets, even the good ones. So you almost feel sick sometimes too, because there's so many different foods, and if you eat like all, it just doesn't settle in your stomach the right way. If you just had like your your one normal meal, you know, like yeah, you you can you can have uh, a bad combination. I always have people telling me, "Oh no, no, you haven't tried this one yet. When you try this one, you'll change your mind." And then I try it, and I say, "No, I still think the same thing." And believe me, I wish I could find a buffet that I thought was as good as, like, a good restaurant. Because I think the concept is great. You can keep having more and more of the things you like and not much or anything at all of the things you don't like as much. But I just am never that impressed with any buffet. Someone's asking if it's because they don't have a lot of sliced tomatoes, but that's not it. I promise you. (laughs) It's good for kids. Kids kids love it. They can go up and make their ice creams and, you know, whatever. Get a ton of this, ton of that, but... Yeah, and kids have know. different tastes, too. Kids, like like if my dad did take me to the buffet when I asked back in the 70s, I'm sure I, th- I would have thought it was wonderful. He would yeah. have hated it, but I would have thought it was wonderful because uh, uh, my taste would have been different. And it's not even like I'm a food snob. I'll eat fast food. But at least when I eat fast food, I kind of know it's fast food. I know what to expect. I'm not well, expecting, like, a gourmet meal... Or, or a really high-quality meal. So, okay, we have Team MLK on. Uh, what would you like to say? Hold? Hmm. Hold? You just called in, now you're telling me hold? Team MLK is running the show. He calls in to tell me to hold. Why, why not just call in hello? when you're ready? Yeah, yeah, hello. Are you ready? Hello? Yeah, hi. Can you hear me? Hello? Great, now his microphone. I'm, I'm going to hang up on him. He can call back when his microphone works. I think he got some kind of new headset or something and it doesn't work. I, I'm willing to have him on here. He's willing. To, I'm willing to let him say his piece, but see, he's calling back in. It's going to be the same, hello? 
Hello? Hello? Here we go. Team MLK, hello. See, he can't hear me. Of course, he could just be trolling me here. He could hear everything and just be messing with me. Alright. Get your computer in order. Get your headset in order. I mean, it's not that hard. Just buy a $10 headset and plug it in. It should work. Seriously, Sirius just said, dodged a bullet, almost had to shut the radio off. So he's happy that the headphones aren't working. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably just just about to click that X, and then he's hearing, hello, hello, hello. It's like, ah, this call's not going to last, is it? So, uh, Grenada Roger just said in chat, Druff, you need to rat hole the food, referring to the buffets. Cookies in pocket, fruit and fanny pack, all kinds of food to sneak away with. The buffet is an advantage play, also you know. Well... I guess that's one way of doing it. If you want to take a lot of snacks back to your hotel room, then I guess the buffet could be useful for that. You just uh, you, you walk in with a big heavy jacket and just fill the pockets with uh, with cookies and uh, with fruit and all kinds of things, and then uh, you have several days worth of snacks back at the hotel. It's probably the most useful utilization of buffets. But yeah, I never go to them. I the last buffet I went to was the Bacchanal buffet, which is hyped so much at Caesars. And I went mainly because I was meeting some other people. I met Brandon and uh, Gene Riders and uh, Karina Jett, and uh, yeah, it was more of a social thing. But I thought it was just it was a good buffet, but I still would have preferred a a nice restaurant over that. So, okay, uh, anybody else who has questions either in the chat room or if you want to call in, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, or 702-430-1808, you can call. Uh, does the uh, Rio still have a good buffet? Answer, no. It's uh, mediocre, like everything right. at the Rio. It's like most of the buffets in Vegas, unless it's at a higher-end casino. They're all mediocre, and it's all just, you know, it's just... Like like your dad said, it's just um, quantity over quality. They just plop it out there, you know, cheap stuff. Yep. That's it. Uh, Druff, did you see the Dodgers just hired a top GM for the Nationals? Guy built the Braves in the 90s and the current Nationals. Well, the current Nationals aren't a lot to brag about. But, uh, uh, no, I did not see that. I I haven't looked at the Dodgers in a few days. Dur- during the off season, I typically check in on baseball news just like once every few days. Here's the question, Druff: Who is your favorite football team? Yeah, I always wondered this. Like, are you a Raiders fan or are you a no? Say, a I, I'm actually fan? not. A, I'm not a fan of any football team. Uh, I I just wasn't that into the NFL when LA had teams, right? And then once they left. I just, uh, I didn't have a team I rooted for. And, uh, you know, I just watch some NFL games just as a, a sports fan. But there's no one team I root for. And that does take away somewhat my enjoyment of the NFL because I feel you have to have one team you really root for to really enjoy the sport completely. And uh, I don't. You know, in, in baseball I have the Dodgers, obviously, and in basketball I have the Lakers, who are not going to do anything this year. But I don't have uh I, I don't have an NFL team I favor. So 
uh, not the Raiders, and I'm glad it's not the Raiders because they're just terrible year after year. Even every year they say, "Oh, it's, this is a good year for the Raiders," and then they disappoint. This has been for the longest time. Uh, I see Tony Bagadonis wants me to jump on the uh, Seahawks bandwagon, and uh, someone asking if I'm a USC fan. No, I, I didn't go to USC. I don't care if they're from LA. I didn't. It's a college team. I didn't go there. Just. I don't feel any connection. I had a question for you, Druff. When you're in Vegas, I know you said you were playing a little on Ultimate Poker. Have you tried WSOP.com? And um, on both sites, are there ever any like 10, 20 plus limit games going? I haven't tried WSOP.com. Uh, I have been. I've tried Ultimate Poker a lot. I've played a lot on there. And I have seen 10, 20 games or even 20, 40s. Though a lot of times I get them going. A lot of times I'll actually sit with someone and just play with someone who's a decent or good player for a while and try to get a game going. And uh, right. probably have you ever had any like mega fish sit with you on there? Yes, yeah. not all that common. Usually, kind of like semi doc types, but right. definitely when I say semi doc, I'm not being one of these arrogant players who thinks everyone's awful, but me and a few others. These right. are like legitimate bad players do sit sometimes. Right. Um, someone asking. Uh, have I ever tried Seals with Clubs? Uh, I've looked at it. I haven't played on there for obvious reasons. Uh, what site would you recommend U.S. players using if they want to take a chance and deposit? And what's the best way to get money on that site? China, I think this is a good question for you. Um, I mean, anywhere on Merge, like Carbon, I mean, you you can deposit with a credit card, and, I mean, they pay out. It takes two couple weeks for a check. Um, same thing with, like... Um, like black chip poker or like America's card room, they pay out within a couple of weeks. And, uh, I don't know what their deposit methods are. Um, in Bovada, you know, that they seem, they, they've been going strong for a long time and they always pay too. So, I mean, any of those three I'd stick with for, uh, if you're going to play on a U.S. site, and, you know, they all pay. So I just, you know, don't put on what you can't aff- only put on what you can afford to lose because you just never know when something's going to happen. But, you know, all have been around for a long time, and all have always paid, so that's my advice. Okay, and uh, by the way, I'm ignoring the Team MLK calls until I'm sure that he can actually speak to us. I'm tired of answering these uh, these people, these calls actually, here. Oh, actually, to add to that, you're going to get the best perks, I think, on like... Um, on like black chip poker or America's card room because you can get rake back on there. You can't get rake back on Bovada. You can get a deposit bonus, uh, reload bonuses. I think they have in merge. It's just VIP and it's invite only and you get a deposit bonus, but you can actually get rake back on, um, you know, the, the winning poker network on black chip or on, um, America's card room. So actually this past weekend I stayed right across from the new 49er stadium in Santa Clara. And I didn't stay there intentionally. That just happened to be where my hotel was. It was actually... I had a view of the stadium that's still being built, but it's almost completed. Which stadium is this again? This is what's called Levi Stadium. And it's uh, replacing Candlestick Park, which is going to be destroyed. Next year, the 49ers will play in Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, which is not that close to San Francisco. I think it's like a 50-mile drive. Right. But it's it's much closer to San Jose, Silicon Valley, all that. And 68,500 is the capacity there. It's a huge stadium. 
Right. And it's going to actually have some uh, technological advances, such as apps that you can use to see how long the bathroom lines are in your wow. section. I'm not even kidding. And how long the food lines are. Right. So it's going to have little apps like that. And I don't know how well they're going to work with 68,500 people there, but uh, it was interesting having the view of the stadium right at my hotel room window. And uh, it just happened to be what was next door. And I'd read a lot about that stadium. Now, how far is that from um, from San Francisco again? I think like fifty miles. I can, I can enter it in, but it's it's pretty far. It's right. It's in. Yeah. It's actually in an abandoned parking lot, an overflow parking lot from the Great America Theme Park, which is still open. But that's where they built the stadium, and I think it's around fifty miles from San Francisco. So if you live in San Francisco, you're not going to be happy with this. Now, Candlestick was a little out of the way because it was all the way in southeast San Francisco, but nothing like this is going to be. But Candlestick was also kind of a dump. Yeah. Where That's kind of like Foxborough Stadium with the Patriots. It's like 30, 40 miles from Boston or something like that, but it's better because, I mean, well, depending on where you are, it's tough to just plop a stadium in the middle of a city if it's being built brand new because there's just no room for it in cities, you know? Yeah. My, my guess... The land's, the yeah. land's occupied. My guess, uh, by the way, the stadium costs uh, $1.2 billion to build. Uh, 45 miles, according to MapQuest, so I was pretty good at guessing that from wow. downtown San Francisco to this stadium in Santa Clara. So, yeah, There's some neat, interesting apps that are coming out for all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I actually read something last night. Um, Faraz Jaka, the, the pro poker player, I think he came up with an app where if you're waiting in line at a club, you can... What, what is it? If you subscribe to this app and enter your credit card, it, all your credit cards then wherever you go to bars or clubs, it'll track track what you spend. So if you go to a club and you're waiting in a line, you can just walk up to the front and be like, you know, here's my app. They scan it. And then, you know, if you spend a lot, if you're balling like TMMLK. I see. Wow. So it it keeps track of your expenditures and you can jump the line by by showing off that Uh you spent so much money there. Wow, interesting. Yeah. There's like three levels or something on it. So, I mean, some of these apps are pretty cool. Um you know, just different things, like what you were mentioning. Okay, so TMMLG, you've got the headset fixed. What are you calling about? Okay, let's shut this this conversation down. I'm on air. Show some respect to me. Okay, go ahead. What do you want to say? Okay, well, first of all, like, C-Money is gone. Like, that guy has so much support for me. I think you're giving him support because he gave you support. I'm not saying anything bad about C-Money. He is great. But uh, I think the reason that you are supporting oh, him... I always like C-Money. And C-Money, bring back the wormhole picks. I don't care if that guy lost his money. Someone's asking if you're a Muppet. Are you a Muppet? <laughs> What's your response to the accusation that you're a Muppet? No. No response? you got to have an answer. I'm on leg right now. You're on what? What are you doing? Can you pay attention to this call? Yeah, why did he put us on, um... Why did he jerk us around before? Leg. What, what do you mean, leg? What is he talking about? Right, no, it's it. not It's not me. Like, when I, when I mute the chat for the, uh... The radio, it doesn't work. So I don't know what's going on with my headset. 
Uh-huh. What is, why, why not just click the radio out? Go on. Go on. I did it, and I can't hear anything. That's too bad. Okay, Josie, call in if you want to speak to uh, the legendary TMMLK. Why are you guys hating? I'm not hating. Okay, we have a call coming in. Why are you hating on me? Call, you're on the air. Hey, Drop, it's Tony. Thank you, Donuts. Oh, hello. Josie Colin. I want to talk to you about bad guy. What's up, Tony? I don't know what's going on with TMNLK. I don't know Is either. There a delay? I mean, I've, I've been waiting. It's like his like brain's hour. on delay. You know, it's it's really strange because he he calls in, he tells us to hold on, then then his uh, his mic doesn't work, then he finally calls back in with it working, and then <laughs> he's just he's just kind of out of it. I don't know. You can hear me, okay? Then you should be. Able, he should be able to deliver on radio. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I, you know, I, well, I'm giving the end of the show to him here, and he's just not, not doing more. Yeah. China. Uh, Tony. Tony. Talk to you about what's up? What's that? Talk to you about what? Come on, T. you're killing the show here, and not in a good way. Shout out to Tony. All right, great. So, Tony, cool. anything anything else you'd like to bring up on this uh, phone it's call? It's not my fault. It's the internet. It's the it's, internet. I'm on leg. Everybody blame. What What do you mean leg? Lag? Lag. Meaning that uh, when he hears you, it's a delay and he can't talk. So, Tino, okay, we're done here. Yeah, Hi. like Jonathan I can Martin, hear Richie you talk and then talk. I get a response What's like 10 on? seconds later. Well, the, you got to fix this. Oh, what, what did you want to talk about, Jonathan Martin? Yeah, bullying, not bullying, football. What's going on? You're the football expert of the, of the site. Thoughts? I don't know. I, that guy should have done the matter. That guy should have dealt with it himself. But it's going to change. Obviously, change everything in the locker rooms now. I mean, it's a tough situation for the guy. Seems like he was like a shy whatever guy, but I mean, he totally like violated like the man code in the locker room by going to. You know, going to the whatever, doing whatever he did. I mean, maybe the guy's like really mentally distressed, but um, it's just pretty crazy shit. You know, what do you think about it? The, the story has evolved. I mean, obviously, when it came out, we all know what kind of guy Incognito is. He's a prick. Right. You know, yeah. we we all hate him unless he's played for your team. Right. And when the story came out, it wasn't hard to believe that he, he that he's done this. That he's been the perpetrator. But I don't know if you guys saw the interview with him, but it all seemed to ring true. And at the end of the day, he kind of showed who he was. It rang true. And some guys just aren't cut out to the NFL. Right. But I think the story still has, it has legs. It, it's still going to, the tale has, has, hasn't been finished. So we're going to have to see, but it, it, it's interesting. You know, is it going to change the culture of the locker room or Here's... is it all just a fucking clusterfuck that's blown out of proportion? Right. Here's the thing. I mean, like, Incognito left him that voicemail about, you know, ca- calling him, you know, the racial slurs and all that other stuff. But, I mean, everybody on the team was saying he took the voicemail and he was laughing about it and playing it to everybody. They say he was like, 
you know, almost like a little brother to him. Like they were together. They go out all the time and stuff. So, I mean, it's just kind of weird to see how he just totally flipped and like this just blew up like it did going from like one point to another, unless, you know, it's just the team sticking up for incognito because they like him, you know, or they don't want, you know, they just don't want to blow it up more than it is, you know? Maybe they just defend I don't think him. So. When, when, when I saw the quote, it looked to me like fucking trolling. Like shit we see all the time on the forums. Guy busting another guy's balls. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to slap, slap your real mother. I mean, right. that's a fucking joke. Right. It, it, just, it, that, exactly. That's how it occurred to me. I mean, when I first saw it, I thought immediately that this, this is a fucking joke between two guys busting each other's balls, but who knows? I mean, incognito is a certified prick. But, yeah, I mean, you it's know, possible this it, guy it's just, hard to say. it's possible this guy just might want out of the NFL, you know? Maybe he just doesn't want to play in the NFL, and this was his way to get out, you know? Yeah, Ricky Williams didn't want to play in the NFL, and he fucking bailed and didn't bring anybody down with him. Right. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it, it's hard. I, I can't believe I'm defending Incognito because that guy's an asshole. Right. But, I don't know. It, it just, uh, we'll have to see what Martin has to say when, when he finally says it. Yeah, he's just gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna issue probably a prepared, uh, a statement that's prepared, you know, right from his, um, right from his lawyer that's been doing all his talking for him the last two weeks. So. Yep. By, yeah. by the way, apparently, uh, this nothing to do with your discuss, discussion right now, but, uh, apparently Josie wants me to send her a care package. I don't know what it would be in that, but I, I'll send her some. Call from unknown caller. Oh, I, hate, I hate when it does this. One. To send a voicemail, press. So. Apparently, she wants me to send her a care package. So if she wants, I'll send her a package with like some mixed nuts and dried fruits, if that makes her feel better. She, she, if she wanted a care package, she should have got a hold of Never Win a couple of years ago. <laughs> he would have set her up good. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, call you around the air. Hey, it's Brett from Sacramento. Hello, Brett. Yeah, I know this guy personally. Uh, what's what's going on, Brett? Not much. Um, I was trying. To- I'm not much of a poker person as much as the rest of the group, so I'm trying to add a little different uh, questions to the, uh, the the show. Hey, if you're a California guy, a lot of people like In-N-Out Burger. I'm not an In-N-Out Burger guy. I like more like Fat Burger. What's the group's take on Five Guys, In-N-Out, Fat Burger, or uh, Smash Burger? What's like the group consensus on a good chain burger chain that's an interesting question uh so i do like in and out uh, for two reasons uh, first of all in and out actually has uh, a great customer service policy in, in that uh, basically they, they overpay all their employees from the bottom level employees who work the cash register and make the food all the way up to the managers who make way more than you ever should at a burger place but there's also they're also held to very high standards and if they screw up at all they're gone so Everyone is very careful because they don't want to lose these great jobs, you know, great jobs from a burger perspective. And as a result, you get great customer service there and, and a good product. And also they don't franchise any of the units, which also makes it good because any fast food place that has franchises goes to shit. So uh, I, I do give the thumbs up to In-N-Out. Um, now, another one I really like, yeah, I don't know, I don't think it's has much presence outside of... Uh, California, Nevada, and Arizona, and that's Tommy's. People yeah, don't talk forgot, about Tommy's that much. That. Sorry about that. Yeah, Tommy's is actually very good. Uh, they have great tomatoes there. You talk about tomatoes. They they have the best tomatoes of any fast food place I've seen. 
Um, the burgers are good, and they have a chili that looks really weird. And I, I hate to say it, the chili kind of looks like diarrhea, but it tastes great. It, it's the yeah. the best tasting fast food chili I've ever had. It's a weird kind of pasty consistency. It looks like it's going to be awful, but it's great. And so they and mm-hmm. uh, so Tommy's I really like them. And again, they don't franchise at all, and that you can tell it makes a difference. And and the prices are very, very reasonable there too. I think they're cheaper than In and Out. Uh, I love that uh, Tommy's love that chili. They put that chili right on top of the burger. That makes that makes it kind of special. Yeah, and then uh, Five Guys. Someone said in the chat they're overrated. I first had Five Guys actually in uh, I think it was Washington D.C. Uh, somewhere somewhere in the east. I think it was Washington D.C. But uh, Five Guys, I like the burgers, but uh, I I just don't like the fries there very much. I think the fries get soggy too easily. Or they they tend they're, to they're overrated. The fries. Yeah, they, I just don't like the fries very much at all from Five Guys. And the burgers I think are small. Yeah, they are. I can tell you in Sacramento here, we got everything except the, the one fat burger is a little bit out of the way. I, I think fat burger is the best. And I like when I go to Vegas, I got fat burger, and I get Tommy's on the way in Barstow, but I just think fat burger just kills a lot. You got you to pay a little more extra as well. But uh, yeah, I, I got a question for you guys. Is, are there any Bobby's Burger Palaces out there? No, I don't know what that is. Okay, that's no. like a – I'm pretty sure it's a franchise. I don't know how big it is, but one just popped up around here. And I was going to try it, but other than that, we don't have much around here. Five guys just came around, but no in and outs and wow. no time. Do no you remember Bob's Big Boy if you grew up in Southern California? <laughs> yeah. Bob's Big Boy. There's still great. a few of them around. Uh, now, uh, there's there's some other good burger places. The Habit, there's only like five of those yeah. or so, but if you can find one of those, that's good. Uh, there's also. Uh, uh, what were the other? Oh, Smash Burger, which is relatively new. They're actually pretty good, and you can actually sometimes find some good coupons if you're Jewish. You can find some good coupons there and get it really cheap. They have both good burgers and uh, good chicken sandwiches. I like the chicken sandwiches there. And I got uh, it right down the street from me. But you got to go double. You got to get a double burger, kind of on the small side. Yeah, yeah. And, and what Smash Burger does, the reason they call themselves Smash Burger is they they smash down the burgers and chicken towards very thin. That's that's kind of their thing there. And I actually like their what they call smash fries, which are different than the regular French fries with some sort of like uh, kind of lemon parsley sauce or whatever on them. It's, it's actually very good. I really like it. So uh, give a thumbs up to Smash Burger. Uh, I do like them. Fuddruckers. Do you have a Fuddruckers? Fun, fun oh, we yeah. we used to. Yeah, uh, we have, there's one of those in Sacramento. Oh, great, great burger. Too. Yeah, I, I don't know of any in Southern California I or even Nevada for that reason. A lot of them have closed. I used to go to this one in Buena Park all the time. Uh, because I worked by it, but uh, I, I liked Fud Wreckers, uh, uh Except it, it's a little bit of a different place. It's not a place you can drive through, or it, it's right. more of a place you, you get the burger and then go sit down. And uh, speaking of Dodger Stadium, you ever done Philippe's uh, roast beef? No. So roast Philippe's. You might want to try Philippe's someday. Where uh, Where is Philippe's? I don't know if anyone in the yeah, it's it's in the heart of LA, I think, and I'm sure someone here will know in the chat room. Looking to see if someone's gonna come up. They got the sawdust on the floor, and Tom Likas goes. It's a really great place. I'll uh, be honest. When I go to Dodger Stadium, uh, first of all, even though I get ripped off, I I always get a Dodger dog just like for tradition, and then uh, I usually just go home after that. Like I, I I don't want to spend a lot of time in the area. I just want to get in and out of the stadium as quickly as possible, and and get back home. That's uh, I usually don't hang out in the area. The only time I ever hung out in the area 
of all nights was the night that Brian Stowe got uh, beaten up there. The San Francisco yeah. Giants fan who almost got killed and got severe brain damage from a beating over there. Uh, I happened to be there that night, and uh, I actually was meeting Hollywood Dave at a restaurant nearby. I don't remember which restaurant anymore, but uh, I remember he was very late getting to the restaurant and explained that there was some terrible traffic getting out. In fact, he had to push down a barrier to squeeze his car out, or else he would have been there even longer. And it turned out that was why. We actually got out ahead of that whole thing, but uh, he got caught in it. So, uh, right on. Well, thanks. Uh, that was just what I was going to call in for. And uh, oh, did you get any update from the I five I fifteen incident to Vegas? No, you know, I I tried to tell the police there about it in Vegas, but uh, they weren't calling me back. And I just, <laughs> you know, I I don't think they weren't calling me back because they thought it was ridiculous. I just think that they were too busy with other things, and this wasn't like a high priority tip. And I just said, you know, screw it. I I tried to tried to report it and. Honestly, now that I think of it, it probably wasn't the same guy simply because the guy who... Well, two reasons. The guy who shot the people in the other car, first of all, he was going the same direction as the psychos that I dealt with just five days later. So it wouldn't make sense that the person would have come all the way back home and all the way back to Vegas five days later. Second, honestly, the instigators in this one, in the shooting, were the ones who got shot. Basically, the the guys who got shot were brake-checking the shooter to screw with him and then continued to screw with him even after he flashed a gun at them. And then they both pulled out at uh, the state line in Prim. And I guess these guys thought, oh, you know, what's this guy going to do? Whereas two of us, one of him, and they, they did. <laughs> they, I, I don't know why when you see a guy flash a gun at you, when you don't have a gun yourself, why you continue to screw with the guy, but they did, and then they got shot. Not not defending this, obviously, uh, just shooting at someone for because you're pissed at them is never an excuse. Uh, and then he tried to kill them, too. He shot the guy in the abdomen. So uh, he ended up not dying, but he easily could have. So uh, this guy was an attempted murderer and should go away a long time, but uh, it wasn't the same as with mine where the guys were looking to create trouble. This, th- this shooter was someone who was just trying to drive fast and recklessly and then someone was trying to get in his way and stop him. And uh, and then he got pissed and ended up shooting them. So, kind of a different sort of thing, even though it was a very similar type of car and and, uh, sim- and uh, same color. But uh, All right. Anyway. All right, thanks, buddy. That's all I got. Thanks. Good show. I appreciate it. All right, thanks for the call. Thank you. I actually, I actually got a burger tip here that I just started doing within the last couple of years. I don't know why, but I put ke- I put ketchup on my burgers. And um, if you and I usually would put tom- have tomatoes on most of my burgers, but the ketchup and tomato doesn't mix good. And I actually saw this on the Food Network on I think Guy's <laughs> show where he went to some restaurant and the guy said they don't carry ketchup in the restaurant; they just put tomato and onion on the burger. So if you're gonna, you know, I think it's better to choose one or the other: either have awesome. tomatoes with I'm something else or Wait, just ketchup. <laughs> they don't mix well. I agree. What I always do actually is I get the tomato on the side, as you know, from my <laughs> Subway. I, you know, right. you may laugh at this, but I, I really do it with burgers, too. I get a lot of ketchup on the burger, but I put right. the tomato on the side. And because I like tomatoes. I just, uh, I, you're right. It doesn't I mix well it, with the ketchup. It doesn't. Okay, so caller, you're on the air. Call in. Uh, so this is uh, TMMLK with a, a New York phone number, of all things. Uh, so you're still, I think, uh, Tony uh, Bag of Donuts is still here. Kind of no, I want to have a discussion with you, Draft, because I'm fed up with this site. You give me no respect. You leg switched me. I leg switched you? 
Yeah, like every other week I call in, I'm able to get on the line, no problem. Now all of a sudden, I call in, and you leg switch me because I want a free judonk, and you know it right now. Okay, so let me let me respond to this unfair charge against me. If I could lag switch you, then I'd be quite a powerful guy because that would mean I could somehow reach in and interfere in the Skype network. Because you're calling me through Skype, you know that very well. You know I have no power to interfere with anything on Skype. And if I were to somehow lag you to where China Maniac, who's also on Skype with me, because he's all the way in Boston, you know, I'm nowhere near him physically. Uh, you're both on Skype, connected at the same time to me. Whatever goes over Skype goes over the air. And I could not lag you while China Maniac sounds perfect. The only way I could lag people is if I yeah, lagged I everyone by, by messing with my own I internet. I understand what you're saying. But every other week I called in, I had no problems, except when I wanted free judo. Maybe, maybe the problem was on your end. Do you ever think of that? Well, it wasn't on my end before. So well, we'll TMMLK, I, I want a free judon too, but I'm not getting lagged. And let me tell you about, about freeing judonk. Uh, some people want to see judonk back on the site. Some don't, some do. But judonk himself, and he emails me occasionally about this when people ask to free him. He says, I don't want to be freed. I just want to be left alone. I don't want to be part of this site. Please tell everyone to stop talking about me. He always says some form of that to me when people ask to free him. Okay, I know that, but he doesn't understand that I want him back. So if you well, say that, TMMLK wants you, Why don't you tell him then? You you can tell him yourself. You don't need me to be the go-between. Well, I don't know how to get a hold of him. Well, find out. You apparently get a hold of him every week. Uh, I, I still talk to Marty once in a while. Yeah, China Maniac can pass, he can pass the message along. What do, you, what do you want me to tell him, TMMLK and Tony? Tell him that I want him to be freed on Donkdown, and I want to drop on Donkdown okay. immediately. He can be freed on Donkdown. I'm sure he's already free over there. No, wait, wait. Okay. China, China, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you and and Druff. And even though I mean, I like Marty always have, but he needs to be left alone. No doubt about it. It's not good really for anybody, but you know, I'm on I'm on the free Judon bandwagon for sure, but it's it, it's not a good. It's not a good thing. Yeah, he doesn't want to come back. He's done. So you know, whatever. If he wants to, uh, I, I know a lot of people have uh, various memories of him and, and his antics. But uh, yeah, if he doesn't want to come back and wants to stay away, then then that's that's great. And that's that's all I've ever asked of him. Honestly, I was uh, I, I was never looking for an endless campaign to to mess with Judonk. It's just uh, you know, if he wants to be away from all this, I don't see any reason to keep bothering him. Uh, Someone asking any Chantel news? No, I don't have any Chantel news. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about C Money for a second before you uh, shut me off and stat me off. Yeah, that guy's a legend, and I want him to bring the wormhole back effective immediately. Okay. I mean, it's not our fault that somebody chunked off ninety percent of the bankroll on one game. Don't sabotage the whole site because of somebody going reckless. You know. I think that was Jay. Wasn't but that Jay that, that, guy, that guy didn't make a bet, though. No, no, I don't I mean, think that was Jay Searles. Think... I'm with you. That guy, whether he was a Jay Searles dupe or not, he never made the bet. He was fucking full of shit. And yeah, it was 100% I'm, I'm with you. The, the wormhole isn't gone. He'll bring it back when it's when it's appropriate, as he always does. But that that fucking guy was full of shit. I don't know. I, I kind of believed him. I, I kind of believed his story. Maybe he's not telling the truth, but... It kind it of sounded. Off it was a hundred percent a troll job. No, I don't know. It sounded kind of authentic to me. It didn't. It, it wasn't to me. It didn't seem like a troll job because it wasn't that outrageous. It was kind of just. Uh, 
It was a believable troll job if it was one. Usually yeah, troll jobs are believable just... believable that the guy's been waiting in the wings for one of the picks not to go right, and he posts that he's chunked off his whole fucking roll? It could happen. No chance. It could happen. Yeah, and he, he knew everything about everybody. And he knew everything about everybody that was posting, too? Yeah, that was horseshit. Well, there's a lot of lurkers. There are a lot. What I will say is, there's a lot of lurkers here. I, I sometimes underestimate how many lurkers there are, but there really are a lot of lurkers. I I learn this sometimes at the World Series when people come up to me and they know everything going on on the forum and on this show, and I've never heard of them ever. So there are lurkers. Now, I'm not saying this well, guy. If they're going to lurk and they're going to their first post is going to be bagging on C Money for a wormhole pick, and they need to get the fuck out and be the band. Well, you know what, though? The reason I thought he might be real... No, I mean, you, don't, you don't fuck around with the wormhole, period. I, I agree, but the reason I thought he might be real was that he actually apologized at the end, whereas I think a troll would have just kept up the uh, the pressure to get everyone pissed off. So, I don't know. It, it could be a troll, it could not be, but I, I just got the real vibe from him, but who knows. Uh, TMML, okay, you got anything else here? Yeah, I want to talk about bad guy for a second. He's always talking about how I'm in a fucking laundry mat all the time. Meanwhile, he's running after he breaks his uh, wife's or fiance's or whoever the hell she is. He breaks her stove or fridge, and he's running off to the dry or the uh, laundry mat with coins. He's told, "Like, come on, the guy obviously works at a laundry mat or knows something about it." And he brings it up saying, "I do." That's what I find funny. So, have you ever worked at one? No. Uh, wow, wow hold on. There was, there was a pause there the before you answered. Talking about it, that he's involved in a laundry I heard a pause there. Well, I heard a pause before you said no. Hmm? I heard a pause before you said no, you don't work at a laundromat. No, I don't work at a laundromat. It's time to get things started on the most sensational inspirational Bring back the Okay, okay, okay. All right, so uh, someone asked in the chat, do I have, can I give an idea to the listeners what kind of ratings we're looking at on this show? With everything together, with the archive listeners, the Stitcher, the iTunes, the live listeners, what do we have? The answer is yeah, it varies from week to week, but uh, we have in the low thousands, you know, thousand well, to twelve hundred. I want to interrupt you for a second. Yeah. When you put my name in chat or in the description, the ratings go up twenty percent. Confirm or deny right now. I have to give that a big fat denial. No way. No. There's no way. Okay, well... When you put TMMOK calls in, it triples. Yeah, and and the vast majority of listeners, the vast majority listen in some sort of archive form. They do it in various ways, but the vast majority listen not live. So that's why a lot of times I want to gear this show toward the live listeners, and that's that's who I see when I'm doing the show and they're in the chat room and they're calling but the truth is it's not really the live listeners I should be gearing this towards because it's like a, a small percentage we we actually but we actually do have like a, um, uh, yeah, like a, around a thousand or so every show sometimes even more uh, so 
that that's about the ratings we get, and it's actually uh, it's been pretty steady as far as those ratings, and that's that's why there's always these new people coming out of the woodwork that you haven't heard of and that come up to me at the World Series, and a lot of people I, I don't expect, even sometimes some names in poker I don't expect. I don't know if he listens anymore, but a regular listener for a while was uh, oh crap, I'm forgetting now which one. Uh, <laughs> I'm forgetting his name now. Uh, as I can say, a blank out here. Uh, I'll, I'll remember. So, uh, a name poker player, now I'm forgetting who he is. <laughs> doesn't make me sound that credible. But yeah, sometimes people just come up to me and say, hey, they listen, and they really do, because they tell me things that they heard, and um, you know, I, I like having that happen, whether they're well-known names or not. Oh yeah, Mac Lance, that was it. I can't believe I forgot about poor That's Mac Lance. That's if you ever meet your users. I'm, I'm actually happy Mac Lance... If Mac Lance isn't listening anymore, I'm actually happy he doesn't, because then I forgot him and I look stupid. And, uh, and of course, Chip Jet listens very regularly. And uh, So... Uh, any other questions from the chat room or uh, phone calls or whatever? Yeah, Josie, call in, sweetie. I Josie says she has that. no phone this week, whatever that means. Oh, oh yeah, what's the bad guy up? What, what's the update on bad guy? He, I know she came and made that thread. Has he surfaced since then? No, no. He's at his grandma's house and he's trolling prepaid minutes on his Grammy's phone number when he has a chance to steal it from her. Like, the, the guy's a joke. I'm sorry, Josie. If you want a real guy, come with TMMLK. I'll take care of What? I you thought know. you have a girlfriend. Well, you know, I can have two. Oh, yeah, I want to talk about something here that uh, I almost skipped by. If you guys remember, I very much backed Sarah Albright, Seriously Serious's girlfriend, for Poker News oh, yeah. Presenter. And it looked like she was probably going to win just simply looking at her YouTube views. She had like 70,000 views, and uh, all the other girls had like 400 or 500. So it was pretty clear, even if all the viewers didn't vote for her, it's pretty clear just from the number of people viewing her video versus everybody else that uh, that was who was going to get all the votes. Well, the voting was supposed to end on October 30th. On October 29th, a new girl showed up a day before the voting was supposed to end, some, like, Filipina girl, who wasn't all that interesting, but, you know, she was good at, I guess, uh, speaking. She seemed like she'd be a good reporter, but at the same time, she wasn't that interesting or creative. She was just kind of like your typical reporter. Uh, so they, she showed up on October 29th, and suddenly they announced on Poker News that the contest would be extended for 15 days. So the voting was supposed to end on October 30th was then going to end 15 days later, which I found to be ridiculous. Because when you have voting and you say voting is going to end on this date and then you extend it at the last minute, that seems like you're extending the voting because the person who won is someone that you didn't really want. So I have to imagine that's what probably would happen. Uh, I have a feeling that Poker News was probably unhappy about the fact that uh, Sarah got all these votes through that song. And especially given her association with Seriously Serious, they probably were uh, suspicious that maybe he gave her some assistance in producing that. And uh, I, I think they preferred someone else over Sarah. Not that Sarah seemed like a bad choice. I mean, she seemed very enthusiastic about the job. And I think she'd do fine. And I, I backed her and encouraged people on the show to vote for her. 
and people on two plus two voted for her, people on poker fraud alert voted for her, and I, I have a feeling she just destroyed everybody else in voting. Like maybe she even won by like a ten to one factor. I wouldn't even be surprised. Oh yeah, big time. But, but uh, <laughs> I mean, if the YouTube votes indicated she won by like a hundred to one factor, but who's this guy on air right now? I, I don't know why they are. That's Tony Bagadonuts. I, I don't know why they think this is going to change if they give it fifteen more days. Like do they really think people are going to vote that differently? But uh, we'll see when the voting ends in a few days if they give it to Sarah or if they find some excuse that she can't win. I will say you have to accept that this is a possible consequence when you have voting. There have been other votes before that have gone a different way than the company wants, not Poker News, but about other companies that put things up to a vote. You have to understand that you put something up to a vote. If the internet gets behind one choice or one candidate, uh, you could really have a, a weird result. But you have to deal with it. You have to just accept it. It's kind of like, uh, and I, I don't want to, I'm not putting down Sarah here. I'm just giving you another example. Uh, like a high school prom queen vote, where they vote the ugliest girl in school to be prom queen. And I'm not saying Sarah is ugly. She's actually a cute girl. But I'm, I'm saying that the high school can't say, oh no, well this is a joke vote. So we're not making her the prom queen. You still have to. If you have a vote, you have to honor whoever the winner is, no matter what the circumstances. Now, now the truth is, uh, Sarah, I think, would make a fine presenter. So it's not like someone incompetent is going to win. I think Sarah would be great as a poker news presenter. And I think she would really want to put effort into the job simply because of who her boyfriend is. I think that just by itself would make her reliable. Uh, but... I think Poker News felt kind of clowned by the whole thing. They they thought it was going to be like a by-the-numbers contest where every girl puts up just a generic-looking video and people vote for the best presenter, and then this song gets put into the mix, and then everyone loves it. So I think they felt like this isn't what we were in- intending. But you have to deal with it. When you put up a vote, and when you let people make their own videos, and the best video gets voted for, this can happen. So... They should have just declared it over on October 30th and given it to Sarah like she deserved. Uh, and and you know, if she doesn't win, if they find some way to worm out of it, there's nothing anyone can do. It's their own contest. They can make their own rules. They can hire who they want. There's no real scandal there. I just think it's kind of crappy if they do that. But uh, uh, Incidentally, I'm actually going to be interviewed by Poker News shortly. Uh, just a, like a, ge- a general interview with me, just uh, kind of seeing what's up with me these days. And uh, but I'm not going to hassle them about this during the interview. You know, poker news is going to be nice enough to to interview me. I'm not going to hassle them about Sarah. But at the same time, I I will express my displeasure if she does not win. But I I won't quite criticize them yet until I see the results of the contest. And hopefully, they'll list the number of votes for the winner versus the second place, so we can see if we believe it. So, uh, anything else from anybody here? Stop this show off. I saved it again. Put the tear <laughs> song on. Tony Bagadota, you have anything? I bring up ratings. When you keep me on air and not snap me off clean, everything runs fine. I don't tilt in the chat room. The ratings go up. They consider me as a co-host one day. Well, you know, if you tilt in the chat room, I can easily just ban you from there. And by the way, the bans from the chat room, they, they only last like a day, so you don't have to worry. No, but I should never, ever be banned for any circumstances in the chat room. As C-Money says, I'm a top three user. 
ever. All right, so, uh, <laughs> all right, let's, let's... I'll take fee money with me to another site. You know? All right, goodbye. <laughs> so, so uh, Tony Baganotas, anything from you? I've got a short story about uh, Tony Jr. I'll try to keep it short. But, hey, go ahead. Uh, he, had a bad, he had a bad day today, Ruff. A bad day indeed, and it was a bad day for me, too. And we'll... Uh-oh. It was a bad day for him. He snapped himself off. I did not hang up on Tony. He hung up on himself. I promise. Maybe it was Team MLG like reaching out from the grave to uh, knock Tony off the line. Here he's coming back here. All right. Sounds like your phone was having a bad day. Yeah, unlike Team MLG, I'm not going to blame it on on you, Jeff. That was me. I've got the phone and uh, hung up on you. Sorry. All right. So so go on. Uh, Tony Jr. had a bad day. A couple of weeks ago, he was sick for a week, missed a bunch of school, blah, blah, blah. Last night, he comes down with another sickness right away. So we're all concerned. I want to make sure I get him into the doctor this morning quickly in case it's the flu, Tamiflu, yada, yada, yada. So my day gets derailed pretty quickly, and I take him in, and doctor checks him out, does the swab on the tonsils, takes a look, does not like what he sees. Uh-oh. And it's it's strep throat, tonsillitis, and Doctor's giving me that look. Coincidentally, his pediatrician was my my pediatrician when I was younger. Just a fun fact nobody cares about. But uh, they want to treat him, and they say, "All right, we're going to give you a shot for of uh, of penicillin for kind of the immediate issue, and put you on a cycle of of oral antibiotics." Well, like, all right, that sounds good. At least this time he can be treated, and we're we're left in the room for about twenty minutes. And, you know, you bring up a shot with a 14-year-old boy, and they're not too excited about that, certainly. But no big deal. I told him I've had it before. It'll get you sorted out. It's all good. Waiting, we're waiting, and the door finally opens up, and two nurses walk in. I don't know if it's a big deal, but, you know, I figure it might be like when a plumber comes over, there's an apprentice and a a journeyman, maybe this is a trainee, whatever. And they immediately say, all right, we're really sorry about this, but this is really going to hurt. And he looks at me, and I look at him, and I'm like, fuck. So they, uh, yeah, they they tell him, they keep on talking about how it's going to hurt, and really sorry about this, and all right, go ahead, and this is going to go right in the the backside, and it's not going to be pleasant. And I'm like, what the fuck? So um, I don't know what to do. And we're sitting there, and I swear to God, they whip out the biggest needle I have ever seen. You know, but, but before like you continue here, I, I, it's like a it's like a farce. Before you before you continue, I have to say that uh, this is not exactly the two nurse fantasy I was hoping for from this story here. <laughs> Me either, bro. It, it was it was unbelievable. It, it was like a joke. This needle had to have been seven inches long. And I had to turn away. And he got two shots. Each nurse took one of the needles and put the shots right into, not even do his backside, but into, like, his hip, huh. in between the hip bone. And it, it went on for probably 15 seconds, hmm. thinking about that. And it was a viscous fluid in this needle. And the kid didn't say a word. 
tough as nails, this guy. And I was, I mean, it, it, as a father, I was uh, unhappy, freaking out. And he took it like a man. And I don't know, he, he's asleep right now. He's pretty much been asleep all day, but it was probably as about traumatic an experience, at least for me, as I've been through as a parent. It was unbelievable. Did he see the size not, of the not, needle? Not even, the size of this needle was sick. One in each side. Did it he see like it man. before it went in? Did he actually, like, see the oh, size no. of it? Nope. They told him a, he, he went to turn his head, and by that time, I was literally in the corner. I'm mad enough to say. I had my eyes closed, and I had my fingers in my ears. It was, it was fucked up. And uh, they, they, they said, no, don't look at it. Don't look at it. I've never heard That's of this like before. A for, kid. Not for, a word. So, so what was his official diagnosis? Strep throat and, ton- and acute tonsillitis. Yeah, I've never and, heard of uh, for strep throat or, or tonsillitis uh, to have these type of needles put in. I mean, I've never had either one of them. But I've had, a, I've had an antibiotic shot in the ass before, man, but it wasn't like this. I promise you, had we known what was coming, the bullets probably would have bolted out of that place. Why couldn't he take antibiotics orally? Is because of the, uh, the tonsils hurting too much? Oh, he did, and he's he's on him right now. They gave him it's it's a it's not Keflex, but it's something similar. But it uh, the fact that he was sick for a week ago and missed, you know, oh, he was down for ten days three weeks ago wow. with a with a stomach virus. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but it was fucked, no doubt about it. Yeah. So Willie McFML saying they get, this is a booster shot they give you to get the whole thing going. Yeah, I mean that, that that's a fact. It's. Wow. That's a, you know, when they really need to get that stuff. So hopefully he's going to wake up tomorrow feeling good. Fucking hope so. Boy, uh, having to go through that, if he, if he wakes up feeling like shit tomorrow, that's going to suck. But, I, I uh, hope I don't pick up like this. Was, I hope I don't get this at like the next World Series or something. I hope I don't find uh, my tonsils hurting and uh, find that I'll have to face the uh, seven-inch needle there. But, yeah, if, if they tell you the needle's coming... It it ain't just the normal shot in the ass. I've never had a doctor tell me like this is really going to hurt. the The worst warning I was ever given was actually a warning that was uh, very much understated. Uh, I broke my arm skiing in 1989, and uh, when they had to push the bone back in place because it bent, and so before putting the cast on, they had to push it back in place, and I didn't realize how much that was going to hurt. But uh, first of all, the whole area was just so sensitive. Uh, they tried to give me a number of painkiller shots, and the area was so sensitive, the painkiller shots did nothing. They actually literally did not. They tried a few of them. They, they tried it. They got, uh, it's not doing anything. And then the doctor says, this is going to hurt a little bit, he said. And he then pushed it into place, and I'm telling you, that was the worst pain I experienced in my life up till that point and after that. I haven't had any kind of pain, anything like that, ever before or after, as I did that day when they pushed it. It was only like, like I don't know, 30 seconds, but boy, that was terrible. And uh, But that's the only time I was ever warned that pain's coming, and then it was much, much worse than the doctor said it would be. So, Yeah, this one pretty much, it seems, met the standard, because I wasn't looking, and I wasn't really listening. It was all kind of surreal at that point. Because, again, you know, the doctor said, we're going to give him a shot in the butt, no big deal. You know, that's Better, you know, shit, he's a baseball player, you know. Uh, not in the arm, that's all good. But uh, we didn't know what was coming, but the uh, the nurses did. Yeah, that's uh, that. You know, it's it's really crappy to see your child 
suffering or thinking they're going to suffer. I mean, it's much worse than suffering yourself. And I know this, you know, being a father myself now of a three-year-old. And uh, by the way, uh, it's totally separate from the story. Which, which, uh, yeah, you're right. This is a pretty lousy day for both of you. In fact, I'm, I'm surprised after this you'd want to call into the show. But uh, going back to the Sarah Albright scandal with Poker News, Jay Stat from this forum, who uh, took an interest in this story with Sarah Albright, was hassling Matthew Parvis of Poker News. He's the guy who interviewed Howard Lederer in the infamous I Don't Know videos. Uh, he hassled Matthew Parvis about uh, rigging the contest against Sarah Albright. And Matthew Parvis's responses, and this was uh, ten days ago, or nine days ago, said, there was no misconduct, this is referring to on Poker News' part, just because submissions closed doesn't mean voting closed. Votes will continue to be tallied. And to further that, voting is only a part of the process. It's by no means the end-all factor of the process. So now they're already backpedaling, saying... It's just part of the process, but that doesn't mean that the the winner of the votes will get the job. That's going to be the way they worm out of it. So why even have a vote, you know? Because they were hoping a candidate they wanted would win. And now that it's not happening, now they're going to worm out of it. That's really crappy. I mean, as I said, Sarah Albright really has no kind of recourse for this, but it's crappy. And right. if you're going to have a vote for this, and it's not like a vote for the CEO of the company to where if they pick a less than ideal candidate in their opinion that it could really make the company suffer. This is a damn presenter. How many presenters have they had over the years? They've had so right. many of them. Let let Sarah Albright have the job. What's the worst that can happen? Right. And this is who the people want, too. Yeah. I, I, that's what I'm wondering. Like, even if they don't think that she has the most talent from a broadcasting standpoint, if the poker community seems to love her already, and everyone's voting for her, and everyone's excited about seeing Sarah Albright doing these poker news reports, then let her do it. Then it'll create excitement for your product. I don't understand why they're fighting this. Right. So, oh well, that, that'll. Uh, anyway, uh, Tony Bag, sorry to veer away from your story. I just got that uh, in the chat room there. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to forget about that. But yeah, that's uh, that's really crappy. Uh, no, the, the the story was done, and honestly, it's these sort of experiences that make the good story. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, his 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 sister, his older sister, never would have gone for it. Not a fucking chance. No matter what, she would have refused. And I asked him later, you know, if, if you knew what was coming, would you have gone through with it? And he said, well, I don't have a choice. He's He's been pretty sick for a while, so he, he took it like a man, and it's all good. But it, it it was quite a scene, no doubt about it. Yeah. Now I understand. You know, the truth is, if you think back to your own life, and you think back to the times in your life that you experienced uh, pain, whether whether physical or otherwise, a lot of times it actually really did help you uh, become tougher for other things in the future. It's it's uh, it's actually better in life that, that you do experience, especially when you were young, uh, some unpleasantry. So, so when more unpleasant situations come your way, whether it's uh, physical pain or, uh, or, or things in life that don't go as well as you expected, that you can handle it better. Because if, if you're used to everything being great all the time, then uh, you're going to have a very hard time when it isn't one day. 
mental toughness. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. And and again, I wouldn't even have brought it up except I've you know, I've mentioned Tony Jr. over the years on on the forum. So you know, at least there was a couple of guys out there that uh, might have found it interesting. That's all. Yeah, Tony Jr. is a legend. Yeah, he's, heard, he's leading the other the other fantasy league right now. Not so, I might put him in the CFA league next year. <laughs> yeah, better, he, he probably couldn't do any worse than me. You know what I mean? Yeah, they better watch out. All right. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, for I'm, I'm on a three game winning streak, so you know who knows. All right. Th- thanks. Thanks, Tony. Good to hear from you. Thanks, Jeff. All right. So Tony Bagadona. We don't get some more uh, callers here to keep this going here. That we're gonna we're gonna shut down the show. It. Uh, the the main content of the show ad, ended after about two hours, but for another hour now we've just been kind of BSing here. But this will end if we don't get another call. Not from PML Gay. He's had his time tonight. And uh, seriously, serious saying in chat: take to social media to make your voices heard, Team Sarah. You know, I I do think that if enough people say they want to see Sarah as the presenter then Poker News may rethink their position. They haven't made any decisions yet. They've just kind of delayed the decision. That's what they really did here. They they kind of just stalled for two weeks while they're thinking what to do about this. So Maybe they'll pick Maybe they'll pick two. Maybe. I mean, it's fine if they pick two. I just, uh, I just want to see Sarah get it if she really won. If she didn't really win, then fine. But I can't see how she didn't win. Right. I wonder if they'll interview, like, finalists or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. They should have been just honest with the process. It should have been, you know, here's the votes. At the end of the voting on this date, we're going to pick one, and that's going to be our new presenter. Period. It's got to, it's got to be that clear. You can't you can't change the rules afterwards. It's 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 almost like the uh, the Obama thing. If you like your health plan, you can keep it, and then it becomes well. If you like your health plan and uh, it it has all the attributes we need to conform to the law, then you can keep it. That's totally two different things. And you can't change that after the fact. You have to be honest, but what you said back then is not true. That you made a statement that turned out not to be true. Don't don't change it around and say, oh, it was true, I just didn't complete the thought. Like, they're, they're kind of doing the same thing at Poker News. Oh, it was a vote, but the vote isn't everything. It's just one factor in picking people. No one would have voted if they thought it was just one factor. They thought they were voting for who's going to be the next presenter. Not, not to give Poker News a... A, a boost in deciding who to pick. So, uh, anyway, if anybody wants to call in, seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five seven zero two four three zero eighteen zero eight are the two phone numbers. And uh, by the way, speaking of poker news, I, I did make one change to the form. I want to let you guys know about. I removed the poker news feed, not out of protest to the situation with Sarah, and really not for anything wrong that they did. Uh, we have a forum on here called Poker Community Discussion, where I'd like to actually see more posts, but uh, th- there are some people who use that forum, but it's not as active as I'd like it to, to be. And uh, the reason, I think, for part of that was that we had the poker news feed where just every poker news story would go in this one thread. And when you'd look at the list of threads on the site, you'd always see that as the latest post there, and you wouldn't really bother going checking out the forum, because you just assume it's just that feed. So I removed it just so that does not show up as the latest post in that forum. 
And besides, I was I was seeing the way they're giving the feed these days, and I don't like the format of it anyway. So, uh, otherwise, I would still have it here. I actually removed the card player one because they were sponsored by Lock Poker and still are sponsored by Lock Poker. So, you know why I removed that? And that's where that kid got his Squirrel Cash out this past week, right through that banner on card player, probably. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but I removed all the feeds. There's no more feeds at all from any sites because uh, I want this poker community discussion forum to be a little bit more active. In case you're wondering what that is, on Poker Fraud Alert, the forums, which I'd really like to see more of you listeners. You know, as I said, we have more than a thousand people listening to the show every week, and a lot fewer than a thousand posters. Uh, I would like to see more people post on the site, and a lot of people are kind of intimidated by the most active forum the Flying Stupidity Forum. Now, the Flying Stupidity Forum has uh, 123,000 posts total. But uh, a lot of people are intimidated by that forum because it's a lot of people who've known each other for years and a lot of times new people in that forum get jumped on. But, like Ron Gunna Ron? Yeah, like Ron Gunna Ron. So if you feel intimidated by the Flying Stupidity Forum, the rest of the forums on Poker Fraud Alert, while not quite as active... Uh, they have stricter rules to where people aren't allowed to troll you, uh, to where the discussions have to remain serious. So, for example, the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum, is that's where you post about anything with fraud, scams, lies, scandals within the poker community. Uh, poker community discussion is anything about general discussion of the poker world. Like, for example, I posted the poker stars not getting licensed in New Jersey in that forum. I posted the thing about Quarter Poker, whatever that site is called in that forum. Uh, poker and Blackjack Strategy, if you want to talk about uh, strategy in poker or blackjack, then or really anything related to gambling, you can post there. Uh, the Hacker's Delight, which doesn't get used very much, but it's uh, computer security, about viruses and spyware, stuff like that. You're not going to learn about uh, how to create viruses or do anything illegal here, but it's uh, more of defending yourself against that type of thing. But also things like iPhone jailbreaking and stuff which is not illegal but is against what the companies would like to see you do. But, for example, I, I made a post on October 28th on how to boost low volume on Windows 7. If you're like playing a YouTube video where the volume's too low, there, there's a way to actually get around that and make the volume louder. So, little tips like that. Uh, then there's the Dandruff's Sorta Secret Forum, which I'll give you the password right now. The password is Secret Location, all one word. Secret Location, all lowercase. You could see uh, things I put in there that I don't want to be Googled. So that's why there's a password, just to keep Google out. And... Uh, then there's the World Series of Poker Forum to discuss that. So, uh, but yeah, join the poker community discussion or one of these other forums if you want to participate in the forum here and discuss things but don't want to be jumped on by people who uh, who might troll you or insult you or whatever. And while that sort of thing is, is somewhat allowed in the Flying Stupidity Forum, uh, the rest of the forums here, I don't allow that. In fact, I delete messages like that when I see them. So... Uh, those are good places to start out if you want to talk about some of the things on this show without worrying about trolling or stuff like that. So, just wanted to throw that out there because I, I, I like the forum aspect of Poker Fraud Alert a whole lot. I wouldn't just want this radio show. In fact, this was suggested to me when I was on uh, my previous site prior to Poker Fraud Alert 
and uh, there was some drama involving the forum. And some people were suggesting, Druff, why don't you just give up the forum? Just stop participating in the forum over there and just do the radio show. Because we all like the radio show. We all The consensus is we all like hearing you on the radio every week. Uh, in the forum, there's, there's a lot of drama. Maybe you don't want to continue with that. And I said, no. I, I like both. I want to do both. I, I don't want to just do one. So when I started Poker Fraud Alert, the plans were both to have a forum and a radio show. The forum came first about two months later I put up a radio show and we've got both and we've had both for now a year and a half so uh, I'd like to see new posters in the forum and uh, I'd like to see the forum a little bit more active so I guess that's it uh, now this is interesting one more one more little story here that was brought to me at the last minute here by Stat. Paul Leggett, remember him from UB? The yep. CEO after, uh, pretty much after the cheating, who was uh, appointed to get UB back on good footing, get people back on the site after all the cheating went on there. But he was more of a, a cover-up artist over there. Now keep in mind, Paul Leggett didn't cheat himself. But he was more brought in afterwards to uh, clean up the mess and uh, to lie to people about who really owned the site and how safe it was to play there. Definitely someone who should be blackballed from the community, even though he wasn't cheating directly. Well, he got a job with Amaya Gaming, and a lot of people were pretty shocked by that, that any online poker company would hire him. Well, he's going to be leaving Amaya Gaming, effective immediately, according to an internal email. The email was sent by David Bazov, CEO of Amaya, and confirms Leggett's departure from the company. Paul is a consummate professional and has done an incredible job at Amaya, he said. He has led the integration of the online business, developed our strategies for technology and products, signed key deals, and has put our online business in the path forward for greater things. He will be sorely missed. A source inside the company also believes that, you, that Leggett's departure was made voluntarily and on good terms. The move was apparently intended to help Amaya receive licensing as quickly as possible, as Leggett's involvement in online gaming post-UIGEA could possibly delay the process. And this is from uspoker.com. So, uh, again, someone leaving a company in order to allow them to get licensed in the U.S. market, such as New Jersey. So I guess Amaya decided he was too much baggage, and Leggett agreed and just said, hey, I'll I'll get up and leave and stay on good terms with you guys. But uh, they shouldn't have hired him in the first place. They they should just, out of respect to the poker community, not hire these type of people. So, I was hoping That's, he left because of some scandal. Yeah, maybe there was one, and they just put it out that way. Could have been something minor, but yeah, you know, and, and uh, you know the. Uh, just to get back to the forum thing, in the Poker and Blackjack strategy, JSTAT just gave an endorsement also to my uh, Blackjack card counting thread. And I thank him for that. And if you do want to learn how to card count in Blackjack, which I'll be honest with you, you're not going to make a lot of money doing that these days. This isn't like the old days where you could uh, make a fortune doing this. This is something you just do more for fun, to just even the odds of the casino, basically. Right, but uh, if you want, if you play blackjack, you might as well learn. 
and it's not that hard. It's a lot easier to become a good blackjack card counter than it is a good poker player. If you want to learn how to do this without reading 300-page books on the matter, and you want to just read a, a bullshit-free summary on both how to become a blackjack card counter, the basics of it, and the myths and facts about card counting, and also how to prevent yourself from getting caught card counting as much as you can. Uh, and also understanding the consequences of being caught card counting. Just all these things. If you, if you go to the Poker and Blackjack Strategy thread on the very top, or the Poker and Blackjack Strategy section, the forum here, uh, the very top thread called Official Blackjack Card Counting Thread, you'll see a several posts by me that I wrote about this subject that you can really... They're not very long. I mean, they're long as far as posts are concerned, but you could read this whole thing in half an hour and, and pretty much know everything you need to know to be a, a competent blackjack card counter. It, it'll take more than a half an hour of practice to become a competent... But you'll have all the real information you need. Uh, beyond this is kind of like a small percentage of uh, what you need to know beyond what I wrote there. If, you know, you can get a little bit better with information beyond what I put there, but... Uh, just all the basics are right there of, of everything. So, uh, JSTAT, who's very much uh, into the card counting world, uh, enjoyed these posts and he's endorsing them. So, I'm just anybody who wants to get into blackjack card counting and just kind of found it intimidating or, you know, you see these books there and go, I don't want to read a 150 page book on this. Like, you, you don't have to. Just go to that uh, thread I started. And, uh, and you'll also learn why a lot of so called card counters you know are probably not winning players, even though they pretend they are. So, uh, I'll tell you, very, very few poker players I've met can play winning blackjack. They, they, I've known a lot that think they can. Even Joe Seabach was one of those guys. A lot of them think they can. A lot of them think they're card counters, but they're not. What, he thought he could count and he couldn't? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, a lot of them know... A little bit about card counting. They kind of understand what it's about, the general principles, but they don't know how to implement it. They don't know all the strategy adjustments. They don't really, they don't know it that well. They just have a general idea and somehow think they're going to wing it into winning that way. Right. And then they play and play and play, and the casino never kicks them out. And they think, right. wow, I'm, I'm, I'm so good that I'm also able to do a good cover to where they don't realize that I'm card counting. And, and I say, probably... no, it's not that. They, they realize you're a losing player. Right. So so when I get kicked out and you don't, that doesn't mean you're better at cover than me. It means that I, they've determined that I'm the winning player and you're not. That's why I got kicked out and not you. So, like, I don't bother to say that to a lot of these people, but uh, it, it's so frustrating when some of them I've seen look down on me before when I get kicked out uh, that they think they've done something better than me to avoid that themselves. But uh, that, I guarantee that's not what's happening. I've watched these guys play. I, I watch what the proper bets are at the at the times I'm making them, and and they're making different bets, vastly different bets. So, uh, um, I, you know, I've met a few blackjack card counters who are poker players that have been winning players. And when I say winning players, I don't know the results, but just from what I've seen of them, they they're playing a winning strategy. But but very few. Most of them think they're winners, but they have tilt problems or don't know the full strategy. Or and it's not that hard. It really is not that hard. Right. So, uh, I don't know if I could do it. I mean, I probably could, but 
keeping track of like the count of the cards as they come out, I mean, it's going to take a lot of practice. It took me about a month of practice on a simulator on my computer. What I, what I did was uh, I read... It's kind of like something I wrote, because I hadn't written it yet, of course. I wrote, uh, I read on a different site a tutorial on how to card count. Then I got some little program that I played once a day for about an hour each day. And uh, played it as fast as I could. And put it on a fast setting, in fact. And when I say a fast setting, I mean when it turns over all the cards, how quickly it removes them from the table. So I would get good at counting really fast. And then when I actually got there to Vegas to really play, it seemed like everything moved so slowly and it was so easy. Okay. So I was used to it being so fast. And, uh, and I, But I had to do it for about a month to get uh, confident that I was able to do it without messing up. You can't just read the text file and then try it once and say, okay, I know how to do it, because you, you won't be able to do it. You've got to get used to it. But uh, once you're used to it, it's like riding a bike. You, you don't forget. So uh, you may have to brush up on a few of the, the strategy adjustments, but other than that, you don't forget, and you don't really get rusty. And uh, it's not a strategy thing like poker where you have to constantly adjust to the table conditions. This is something that's just uh, a mathematical game. You just have to know the right move at the right time rather than uh, have to constantly adjust to opponents and read opponents and read hands. and you know, it's, it, Poker has a lot more complexity. Right. So, uh, anyway, that's uh, if, if you're interested in it. And it also doesn't require the ability to have the perfect memory or be a math genius or you know, be like Rain Man. These are some myths about card counting that are not true. You you don't need any of that. Now, you do need discipline. Uh, you do need somewhat of a mathematical mind. If you're terrible at math, then you probably will not be a successful card counter. But you don't need to be a math genius. Uh, you, uh, you need concentration, for sure. But that's that's really about it. You just need uh, discipline and practice and just never tilt. You have to understand your edge is very small. And your edge stays an edge because you don't tilt and mess up. If you mess up too many times, you, know, you go up from being you know a, a 51% favorite to a 49% favorite. So, right. So that's that's the problem. You, you mess up uh, the discipline and that's it. And it, what, the hardest thing in card counting is when you've upped your bet because the count's in your favor and you lose five hands in a row and of course these are bigger bets than you were doing before because you've upped it like you're supposed to and then they reshuffle and the correct strategy at that point when they start the new shoe is to go back down to the base bet that you were doing in the first place and it's very hard to do after you've just lost five really big bets and now you're betting a tiny fraction of, of these five bets you just lost that's probably where a lot of people tilt right? Yeah, it's very, yeah a lot of people tilt there and just keep slamming out a lot of money and and that you just have to get yourself under control. Either just leave, or just stick to the program. If you don't stick to the program, you're not playing a winning game. So anyway, uh, J Stat says card counting is easy. Getting away with it is hard. That's the, that's also another factor. Is just getting away with it. You know, knowing that, knowing when to get out of there. Knowing your sessions have to be short. Knowing if you get off to a bad start, you're probably going to have a losing session no matter what. It's not like poker where you can. Start off terribly the first half hour, but then end up winning. Not going to be like that in blackjack. You start off terribly, you're screwed. 
uh, you, you just won't have the time to catch up before they catch on to what you're doing. So, uh, there's a lot of adjustments you have to make between blackjack sessions versus poker sessions. And, uh, you know, it's not for everyone. And for certain people it's easier than others. But it's, I'll tell you, it became, it was much easier for me to learn how to be a winning blackjack player than a winning poker player. Much easier. So, the bad news is that blackjack is just, there's not much money in it anymore. Just because they, they catch you so quickly now and, uh, isn't it all computerized from upstairs, how they can tell you're counting, too? No, like it, it? It, no, it's more just that they they know what to look for now, and they, they're much more paranoid about it than they used to be, and they, they've changed a lot of the games where you can't beat them anyway just by when they shuffle or the rules of the games. and uh, th- There's all kinds of changes that have happened over the years to thwart card counters that have pretty much made it to where, yes, you can do it as a recreational activity, to win a few bucks, but uh, nothing you can really do for a living anymore. Right. So that's, uh, it's not like the old days. I, I knew someone who won uh, like yeah, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year card counting in the, even as late as the early 2000s. But, oh, uh, wow. But that's, that's all over now. You can't do that anymore. Uh, what about, like, new dunk casinos that open up? Have you ever tried going to, like, new rooms that pop up? Or do they usually have, they usually shop there, too? They, they, you know, the new rooms usually, if it's in a place that doesn't have very high limits, then you're really screwed because if you bet anything substantial. They're, they're going to get their eyes on you. Yeah, they're going to watch you like a hawk. And, uh, and, and the casinos that open that have bigger limits... Uh, Maybe you can get away with it for a little time, depending on who the staff is. A lot of times they're hiring staff that used to be at other casinos, but uh, but they they clamp down pretty fast. But actually, yeah, the ones you'll get kicked out of quickest are the ones that are the small casinos, you know, the small Indian casinos, the small side of the road casinos. Those are the ones that boot you fast because they they can't take a big hit. They right. they they don't want to have to win uh, win back a three dollar blackjack for out of you know thousands of hands what you just beat them for in half an hour. Right. So they, they're really, really uh, concerned about that. Someone asking in the chat, do I think Hollywood Dave was ever a winning player? I, I don't know about poker because I was never... Uh, I never played poker with him. Uh, I know Hollywood he was, Dave... He was originally signed as a blackjack yeah, player. Yeah, he, he was a blackjack cycle. player. He was an actor who converted to a blackjack player who converted to a, a poker player. And Poker, I don't know. Uh, I never played with him. I know he never had all that much success in poker. I don't even know if he won overall in poker. Uh, I know Blackjack, he knew what he was doing. Uh, I, I played with him in Blackjack in Aruba, and he definitely knew what he was doing. He was uh, he was a, a very competent Blackjack player. I'll say that. Uh, poker, I don't know. But uh, Blackjack, he, he did know what he was doing. So... And and someone's also saying it also takes courage to up your bet to spread big. And that's true, too. You have to play at tables where the bankroll you have and the willingness to bet is where you feel comfortable to spread your bet to the proper amount. If you're just spreading between one and three times uh, your original bet, then you're, you're not going to win. You it Winning 
to win at these games, you have to up your bet to five times the original bet minimum when the count gets to the right point. So, uh, how about how about martingaling? Have you ever done that? What he's referring to here, martingaling is is uh, it's not a concept which will allow you to win. Martingaling is what happens if where you keep doubling your bet to with a theory that at some point you're going to win and win everything back. So, for example, you bet two dollars and you lose, then you bet four dollars, then you lose, then you bet eight dollars. Well, let's say you win the eight dollar hand. Well, at that point. You've won two overall because you've lost two, lost four, then won eight. So people are thinking, well, if you just keep betting, you should keep doubling every time. At some point, you're going to win, and the worst you're going to do is win two dollars. Every time you're somehow going to win two dollars, either your first two dollar bet or the succession of doubled bets. Well, the problem is that every so often, some fluke thing is going to happen where you do lose eleven hands in a row. And the problem that can happen is either you don't have the bankroll to withstand that, or the casino has a maximum where you can't double it anymore. And then you're screwed. So it's kind of like a reverse insurance thing. It's where, you know, if you think of when you get insurance, you're paying a little bit of money to insure against being out a lot of money. So when I'm paying my my health insurance premium of uh, right now $172, which is unfortunately going to go up next year by a lot, uh, I'm paying the $172 just in case they find out I have cancer and the treatments are going to cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Or I have to have major heart surgery. It's going to be super expensive. I, I have the health insurance here to prevent my savings from getting wiped out if I get really, really sick. Uh, I don't have it so much to prevent uh, small or medium bills from the doctor. It's more there to really stop the big one from killing me. So the the Martingale is the reverse. The Martingale is saying almost every time you're going to walk away a small winner. But there's that one fluke time that can happen that's going to wipe out everything. So that's why it's not a good thing to do. Uh, Someone's saying that's good to do in a blackjack tournament, but... uh, I don't even agree with that. It depends on the blackjack tournament. Uh, blackjack tournament strategy, I was actually just discussing this with someone. Um, a popular form of blackjack tournament these days, especially like on cruise ships, is where they have a leaderboard and you can keep buying into the preliminaries as much as you want and you try to accumulate enough chips to be one of the leaders. And uh, the top seven on the leaderboard, go to the final table, and I think like the top three end up with prizes. You know, based on the prize pool of how many people who entered. Well, a lot of people think the correct strategy is just to try to bet wildly and, and get a whole lot of chips so you get up high on the leaderboard and nobody passes you. That's actually not the correct strategy. What you're supposed to do then is wait until like the second to last round so you know where you stand. You know what you're shooting for. Almost like Final Jeopardy. Yeah, it's kind of like Final Jeopardy. And then, <laughs> and then, and so you 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 want to wait. You want to know what you're shooting for, and then you adjust your betting to that. Because sometimes the number seven spot on there isn't that hard to get to. A lot of times the number seven spot is not very high compared to the starting stack. So you just bet. You try to get to that. Once you hit the, the seventh spot, then you just min bet and keep yourself there. And uh, and if you bust, if you don't make it, then you you bet again. Then you re-enter the last round, 
try to make it there. If you fail, then uh, then you try again the next tournament. But but at least you haven't wasted a lot of money, nor have you you know gotten up on the leaderboard and gotten knocked off. You know exactly what you're shooting for. And then when you make the final table, what you're trying to do is you just want to min bet the entire time until somebody jumps ahead, because since the dealer has the edge, and since the dealer has infinite chips and the players don't. If the players shoot off their chips at the beginning, you could just win by being the starting stack and, and losing right. the minimum each time. So the, the correct strategy there is to min bet until somebody gets ahead, then you have to try to catch them. And then, uh, and then if you do get ahead of them, depending on the position of the betting, uh, then you just uh, bet according to whatever the person behind you is betting. Uh, either you know, if, if they're betting something that could pass you, then you match their bet. If they are not betting something that could pass you, then you miss bet, you min bet, and that's the way to get yourself a big edge in these tournaments. And I played one of these on a cruise two years ago, and everybody was clueless about the strategy. Like, I, um, I mean, I, I ended up finishing third, which was the bubble on that cruise. It was only first and second that got the prizes, so that was kind of frustrating. But uh, it wasn't a coincidence I got third. Like, I, I didn't luck into getting third. Uh, it was all that strategy. It was off one single entry, so. Um, I've actually done some martingaling before. Um, I don't know if I've told this before. My twenty-first birthday, I, I went to Foxwoods. I had like a five hundred. I think I had like probably five hundred or so on me, and I ran it up to like fifteen hundred or something, and then I broke. But I didn't burn any of the five hundred. It was just from the original bet. I just ran that up to like, just kept running it up, and then I ran another. I ran the rest of it up to about thirty five hundred, and then I lost it all on that one big hand. And it was one of those crazy hands, you know, where they're showing a six, they flip over a five, then they peel like a two, and then you think they're gonna bust, then they peel another two, and you think they're gonna bust, and then they get like a twenty or a twenty one. Yeah, and I never trusted these online blackjack things anyway. I always thought that they were... Uh... No, this was at Foxwoods. Oh, this is Foxwoods. Okay, I thought you meant an online site. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah, this is at Foxwoods. Yeah. yeah the, the, the Martingale thing is not a real winning strategy. It's just a, a, a different way to place your bets where you're, you're giving yourself a high chance, very high chance, to come out a tiny bit ahead each time and a low chance to get totally wiped out on one hand. So right. that's, that's why... I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, now, where it, it can be useful is if um, you're playing something for uh, for points, for like tier points to try to get a uh, a certain status, like the Caesars seven stars or whatever. And this wouldn't work in video poker, but 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 something else where uh, like like a a video like a video roulette or ones like that. If it's giving enough points, there it can actually be worth it. Uh, just because you're you're only going to be doing this a finite number of times, and then quitting. So if the chances are low enough that you know you're not going to have a catastrophic uh, loss, then uh, then it's sometimes worth it to try if your bankroll can withstand the catastrophic loss. If, if by a tiny chance it happened, like for example, not that this is ever the case, but uh, if you could martingale, just keep doubling your bet every time you lose. Uh, and the only way a catastrophic loss would happen is a one in a billion chance. It would be worth doing, even if mathematically, after a billion hands, you'd lose. You wouldn't play enough hands to where that one in a billion would ever likely show up and screw you. Right. So in that case, it would be right. So in, in, under the same 
sort of thinking, if you're playing a finite number of hands and what you're trying to do is just make it so the very high likelihood is that you lose nothing and get whatever status you're shooting for with the casino, and then you're going to quit and never play again, uh, then it's actually not bad to martingale. You're taking the same risks, but at least it's like a short-term risk. It's kind of like, uh, let, let's say you were short uh, you know, $10, and you needed $10 desperately, but you had you had a lot of money on you. You have 5000 on you, but you need 5010 and, right. and you owe, you also want 5010 If you don't give them 5010 when they show up, something bad is going to happen. You can't just give them 5000 In that case, it's probably good to go martingale and, and get the $10 that way. Because right. the, the overwhelming chances you're going to walk away with that, with an extra ten dollars, the only tiny chance you're going to lose a five thousand. Yeah, uh, Ra- the poker player there, Raptor, um, that was just at the main event final table. I actually read on, uh, something on him where he, I think his first trip to Vegas, he tried martingaling and he had like fifty grand on him and he wound up blowing it all. <laughs> or it was either five or fifty thousand. Yeah, I mean that's the point. It can happen. You really can have a freak losing streak. Right. And it's it's not like one in a billion. It really is just like one in thousands. It can happen. You know, it depends yeah. on on how much you're martingaling. It depends on what it depends on is what your starting point is because you're doubling it every time. And 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 to show you how fast things can double, even if you start with two, it right. goes uh, you know, two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, sixty-four, one twenty-eight, which still sounds reasonable. But then and now it gets big. Yeah. Then two fifty-six, five twelve, ten twenty-four, two thousand forty-eight. Uh, 4,096, 8,192, 16,384. So look how, look how quickly that went. I mean, I yeah. said a lot of numbers, but not that I didn't say 50 numbers. Right. Yeah, it's like eight in a row, and you, you could start really getting into some danger. Um, it's like someone someone told me once, what was it? If you take a penny and you double it every day for 30 days, you'd be a millionaire. Just one, two, four, eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I mean, just look, just look what we just did there. I was just doubling two dollars you know, several times, not even that all that many, and we got up to sixteen thousand. Right. So, so that's why this this really changes very quickly, and that's why it's not that shocking that you go on a losing streak like that. It's it's unusual, but it's uh, it's not like oh, this could absolutely never happen. Like a one in a billion is like this could never happen. Right. A, a one in eleven thousand could easily happen. So uh, you have to watch out for that. So, I've anyway. got a question in chat here from uh, San Lamar. Um, he's asking if, if Foxwoods is still struggling. Um, I wouldn't know. I don't. I don't go down there. Um, I haven't been down there in a couple of years, actually. So I wouldn't know. But I haven't heard anything good. I haven't heard anything bad. And last I heard, they were struggling. The economy is still pretty bad. So I'd assume they're probably struggling a little bit. Yep. Uh, Vegas has actually been doing a little bit better recently, and in fact, the they've been having a second like mini housing boom there. I don't think it's going to last, but the housing prices have gone up in Vegas. In fact, we discussed this recently, where uh, Vanessa Russo's house went up in value, the one she has for sale, right. where she actually made money from buying it. Not not that she was some great investor; she just happened to luck into that, but. Yeah, the 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 housing prices in Vegas have gone back up and have risen again pretty quickly. I wouldn't advise going and buying right now, though, because there could easily be a second crash. I, I think that, again, they're getting overvalued. There's just so much overbuilding there, 
and there just isn't that much room for Vegas to grow at the moment. It just doesn't really. Uh, it's so dependent upon the uh, the gambling industry, and uh, the second there's a downturn with that, then there's a big problem, and then everything collapses. It's not it's not a big city like Los Angeles, which has so many different industries to it that uh, if one struggles, another can keep it afloat. I mean, this is just uh, this is a one note town, and I I just don't see room for that much growth in Las Vegas. How much did it bounce back? Let's say you had a house that you bought like when it was at its lowest at like three hundred thousand. Like, how much would something like that have gone up? Rough, like just an estimate. Oh, I, I, some of them have actually gone back to like uh, not the two thousand seven peak, but I some of them have gone back you know fifty percent from what they fell. So like wow. if you get back to four fifty from from three hundred th- things like some of them have gone up a lot like that. Uh, so. They're not back to the peak, but they've risen a lot back from at the lowest point. They were actually in the 1990s price levels, and right. not even adjusting for inflation. So it was a. Um, I almost bought around then, thinking it just couldn't go much lower. But I just thought it was just too much of a hassle. I just didn't want to. Had I seen it was going to shoot up like it did in recent times, I would have done it because I wouldn't have been waiting that long. Then I could have just flipped it right now. But there's no way to see that. I thought that it could have just sat there at the same level, approximately the same level for 20 years, and I'd be stuck with it. That's what I was afraid of. I wasn't afraid of really losing. I was afraid of it just stagnating. Uh, it didn't stagnate. I would have been wrong, but it, it was showing a lot of signs of stagnation. This is very surprising what I'm seeing here. Right. But yeah, That's how it is around here now. The housing market's starting to bounce back a little bit, but condos and, like, apartments and stuff like that they're all still like way down is it like that in vegas too for like condos and stuff those bounce back up or is it just the houses the houses have bounced up more the condos are are, are somewhat recovering though those are more uh, overbuilt than the houses were and uh but again i wouldn't trust any of this to where you go out and buy because there could easily be a second crash easily i've just vegas took it much tougher than a lot of other cities did because they were so much more vulnerable, and right. uh, I think they're still vulnerable. So right. that's that's just not a good place to invest. And the problem with when prices are rising is, in real estate is that you don't know when the end is going to be, and that's why I didn't buy anything as the prices were shooting up last decade. Because I didn't know when the end was going to be. If I if I knew in 2004 I was going to keep going up for three more years, yeah, sure, I would have done it. But I didn't know if that was the top in 2004 or when it was going to be. I knew a top was going to happen sometime soon. It was going to fall. I just didn't know when it was. So uh, the best time to buy is, is after a crash and after things seem to stabilize. Uh, if you really want to invest in something, the best time is when they've really hit the bottom and then kind of sat there for a while. The way you can tell when they've hit the bottom is after they fall big time, and then just sit, stagnate for a while around the same level, then it's unlikely it's going to have another big drop. Uh, Not impossible, but unlikely. And then if you buy at the point when they're stagnating, one of two things is typically going to happen. It's either going to go back up and you're going to make money, or it's going to stagnate a long time and you're just going to sit there and uh, have this investment property that you have to deal with that isn't really doing anything for you. So uh, That's why I didn't buy in Vegas when uh, it hit the bottom. Right. When it hit the bottom, I kind of knew the bottom was around the bottom, but uh, 
I, I just didn't want it to stagnate, and I thought there was a decent chance it could. But that, that's when to buy with real estate. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to buy when it's falling because I, I'm just going to predict this is probably the bottom, and that, that's not a good thing to do. you got to wait till it hits first, and it st- stays there. And you also don't want to buy as it rises. At the beginning of the rise, fine, but when it's been rising for a while, you don't want to do it because it's going to... Um, it, the, this could be the peak. Today could be the peak, and it's impossible to tell. And people right. people got burned with this in the early '90s. People got burned with it again uh, in 2007, and you can get burned with it again today. Uh, right. Because there was uh-huh. a long period of rising between uh, like the '50s all the way to like the early '90s, and right. then, it was, then it fell. How about the bitcoins? I, someone posted in a chat. They're up to 384. I just popped on here. Yeah. High today, 391. Last price, 381. Yeah, the bitcoins, you want to talk about volatility. Yeah, that's, for whatever reason, the bitcoins have been shooting up again. And they, uh, you would have have thought that the problems with Silk Road would have brought down the value, but they did not. Uh, It kind of stayed the same for a while after the Silk Road thing. And then recently, for whatever reason, they've shot up to an all-time high. And currently... They're trading at three hundred eighty-six dollars. Uh, it's un- unreal. Pretty much tripled in value in a short period of time. And for people who got in really early, when they were five dollars each or even less, um, they really made a fortune. The problem yeah, didn't, is, they fall, didn't they fall to like pennies or something at one point? Uh, like super briefly, I think when there was some hacking, but uh, right. but but they never they weren't they didn't stabilize there. They they were at five dollars like a few years ago. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe like. Three years ago, they ran five dollars, uh, but the problem with bitcoins is that any moment there can be a huge collapse. The reason there's a huge collapse is, that, or it could be a huge collapse, is because the bitcoin value is only what people think they're worth. They don't have a real value. Uh, at least, like like with real estate, a house has a real value. Land has a real value. There's a, you know, the value can jump up and down. But at least there is a real value to it. It's just a matter of how much. Bitcoins, there is no real value. It's the, the real value is whatever people are willing to pay for them. And the reason people are willing to pay for them is with the belief that they, at any time, could trade them back in for cash. Or could use them to buy goods. When that goes away for whatever reason, abruptly, it'll fall from this $386 down to zero. Right. Really down to zero. And if, if if the government, for example, decides to go after Mount Gox or, and these other exchanges where you can exchange them for real money, that's going to be it. It's it's going to it's going to plummet like you've never seen, and it's not going to come back. And so that, it's a gamble. There's also where last time the bitcoin the bitcoins rose up big time for no reason. It just hit a peak and then crashed. It didn't crash down to pennies. It crashed down to. Uh, you know, around sixty-five dollars, but for people who bought them at three hundred, that was a killer. So, you may see it at three eighty-five right now and say, "Hey, I, I want to buy it, and it'd probably be worth a thousand in a few few weeks." No, it, it might be, but it also might crash down to sixty-five again. It could crash down to zero if there's a government intervention. This is just really something that is dictated by how much people are willing to pay for them, and dictated by the assumption of what they're worth, and once there's a problem trading these back for cash, or once people just figure, hey, these are overvalued, I'm not going to pay this much, the whole thing starts to fall apart. It's, it's, it's one. This is a, a huge snowball effect, these Bitcoins. Much worse than real estate, much worse than the stock market. This is really a snowball effect because 
they don't have any real value to them. At least when you own stock, you're, you own a piece of a company. When you own real estate, you own an actual house. Uh, bitcoins, you don't own anything. Right. So that's, that's a big difference. There's a big difference where, where people are just trading them with the belief that they could trade them back for, for money. So uh, be careful with them, is what I'm saying. If you want to you play a speculating game and buy a few and see if you can make a few bucks, fine. I just wouldn't... Uh, just be careful. Just, just be aware that it could just all disappear. And and that there's no even for no reason it could it could drop big time and your three eighty five per bitcoin could become uh, sixty five dollars per bitcoin. So right. I mean, do, do I wish I could have bought a bunch at five dollars and just taken a chance and then sold them uh, when they're super high like this? Yeah, of course I, we all do. We could see the future. Uh, I would have bought every bitcoin I could have bought and then waited till today and sold them for three eighty six. I would have made a f- huge fortune. You know, I, I would have bought uh, <laughs> unlimited bitcoins uh, that I could have afforded if, if I could have seen this, but you can't see the future. Right. So, anyway, that... Uh, uh, I guess that... Uh, I guess that's it for tonight. It ended up being... Uh, Longer show than I expected, just because we had a lot of miscellaneous topics. And, uh, Johnny Maniac, I thank you for being part of the show once again. All right, glad uh, to be on. Thanks to all the listeners, live and otherwise. We had a few callers tonight. Uh, Tony Bag of Donuts had, uh, Seriously Serious, or I'm sorry, the uh, anonymous caller. We had, uh, <laughs> the TMMLK. I have to acknowledge him, even though I had to snap him off. And uh, who else did we have? Did we have anybody else? Mm, Brett. Oh, that's right. How can I forget Brett? Yeah, Brett from Sacramento. I was trying to think of users of the site. I forgot about Brett, who's you know really just a radio listener. And uh, and that's it. So uh, we'll be back next week. November 19th, 7 o'clock Pacific Time. I'd like to thank again our free roll donators Trader SHKY, Hockey Guy, and C Money, who've donated so much to our free rolls. Poker Fraud Alert has given away more money in its free rolls than any poker podcast or radio show on Earth. Look it up if you don't believe me. It's the truth. Money has all come from our users, not even from me. Again, if you'd like to get started posting in the Poker Fraud Alert forum. There's plenty of forums that are part of Poker Fraud Alert other than Flying Stupidity where people will treat you well and with respect. So if you don't like trolling and stuff like that, just post on one of the other forums and there won't be. I guarantee it. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Will Poker Stars get a license in New Jersey? Will more payment processors shut out Lock Poker? Well, Chris Moneymaker waffle once again. We will have these answers for you next week. As there's an ever-changing world in poker. Every week we have hours to talk about different things happening in the world of poker. Just uh, endless news here. And that's why we have this show every week. Johnny Maniac, uh, I guess that's all for tonight. Uh, good night to you. Good night to everybody. Or good morning if you're listening at work. We'll be back. Or if you're on, or if you're on the East Coast. That's right. Good night.